Hey there, this is Cole. I want to pop in with a quick programming note for you. Um, the next episode after this one will be available in two weeks, and it will also be the first to be available exclusively on our Patreon at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. After that, episodes will continue coming out on Patreon every two weeks on a Sunday, usually in the afternoon. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this introduction to our Elden Ring series, and uh, we thank you for listening. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a tarnished favorite. Yeah, and this is the proper beginning of our Elden Ring season. Um, and welcome, everybody. We've waited a long time for this day. Uh, and yeah. boy, are we happy. Uh, this, is the, the, this, the, this is great. The game is great. I am super excited to be diving into it. Gary, you've been uh, structuring the season. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've mm -hmm. got good times ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. Conservatively, I went, I went and kind of looked at this and this is, it's going to be more than this because this ends up giving some short shrift to some areas and includes no specials, but 32 episodes <laughs> is uh, what I counted out. Um, and there will be specials and uh, response episodes and episodes with people on it. I want a chance to talk about the music in this game at some point. Like there, there's a lot uh, of extra stuff. Mm -hmm. So buckle up. <laughs> um, it is going to be a good long season, but the other good news part is that I, hence then in order to plan, I beat the game mm -hmm. and it like didn't shit the bed at the end. I know. Uh, That's wonderful. Controversial. Uh, this is my favorite from game. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's real hard. Like I can't fight off the feeling of dark souls one when I first got into that. Like that's mm -hmm. a very special thing, but it's not recreatable. I can't hold that against sub subsequent games. Right. Yeah. Um, Let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh, who we are and then kind of uh, shape of the season mm -hmm. um, stuff that we have going on. So we uh, this is if you're coming to us new, we welcome you. We appreciate you. Um, what we do is we go basically area by area through through these FromSoft games, and we talk about the encounters and what's in them. Uh, we make some lore guesses and talk about the story of these places. Um, as best we can. And uh, the idea is to be a travel guide. That's how the show started it. And it works really well for the lands between as well. Yeah. There's lots um, of traveling yeah. to be done here. Lots of different places to see. In this episode, kind of our first big one is going to be an introduction to Elden Ring really broadly focusing on mechanics and aesthetics before we get into kind of the beat by beat for the season. Um, we, uh, we understand there are people who uh, just jumped on for Elden Ring and just jumped onto the network for the Elden Ring season. And um, we are going to reference previous games uh, in the series and previous seasons uh, because we're people mm -hmm. for one, we have memories. Yeah. And then the other bit of it is that uh, Elden Ring to, to me at least is much, is really interesting in the context yeah. of the series. It's made up of a lot of the best and most inventive parts of the different entries, kind of in the Soulsborne uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, series. 
I don't mm-hmm. know. It's weird to call it a series. It's a it's a loose series, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, this as something that is made up of all those different parts, but then also is like way way greater than the sum of the, than uh, than the sum of its parts, um, is, is is really interesting. So you know, hopefully that is an alienating kind of the, the unintended goal of that is if this is your first um, FromSoft game, if it is your first Soulsborne game, you know, maybe if you hear about this stuff in its context. That will give you uh, kind of a little bit of orientation if you decide to mm-hmm. dive back and kind of see where Elden Ring came from. Yeah, and it will explain where we and other people who are part of the discussion are coming from. Yeah. You know, so if, if we say, like, this is really cool because it didn't used to be this way, uh, you know, the, the part of that sentence is because it didn't used to be this way is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So it explains a lot of perspective um, there. Uh, in terms of kind of spoilers, so we have a couple of policies mm-hmm. to lay out as we go. Uh, spoilers are going to be tricky yeah. for this game because there's not, uh, in Dark Souls 1, there was a clear moment. We refer to it colloquially on the network as the Anne Orlando moment for yeah. kind of all games where everything breaks wide open. Uh, this game kind of has a few of those <laughs> and it's nonlinear. Yeah. So if you're playing along at the pace of the show... Uh, which is a major region every two weeks, generally, um, you know, or a portion of it. So all the dungeons they're in or a legacy dungeon. Um, we eventually will have to start talking about things that you have never heard of. Yeah. The hope is, uh, I think, that at this, pa- this pace of the show, we can go through these areas and really, really drill down. Yeah. And people should be, like, not running out of track. You yeah. Know, uh, for for us that would be the hope you know the these games kind of exist in two versions when you play them you know there is mm-hmm. the first impression where uh you're kind of delighting and things being strange and alien um <laughs> and uh not really knowing exactly how this fits in like this is a, a really evocative person or name or con you know concept or what have you like that stuff is there the other version is once you finally start putting the pieces together and put it into the context we want to try and honor both of those um and at a certain point you know we're gonna have to be go from being coy boys about like i don't know the nature of just something thrown thrown in offhandedly uh, like in the in the opening tutorial, right? You know what the greater will is, you know. Yes, that is an evocative phrase that you can put into a religious context within the you know all these demigods and stuff like that. It also means something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know that's yeah, one that comes it, later, but that's just the example that comes to mind. The uh, the the process of playing these games involves hearing these names, not really knowing what they are getting additional context and then slowly threading that stuff together. Yeah. Uh, we cannot control the pace at which anyone who's listening threads that stuff together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's, it's worth knowing, you know, like when we, when we first run into and throw something out here, like the two fingers Yeah. and this, it's fairly early game kind of thing. Uh, I want to be able to talk about what those are uh-huh. and, and, and think about ideas and stuff. So uh, just laying that out there, if that's not for you, if that bothers you, if you don't want to, if you want this to be strictly like a let's play, yeah, uh, basically, um, just letting you know up front, that's not what we're going to do. Yeah. So we're going to use our best judgment. Uh, it'll be kind of uh, if something is out of bounds, we'll know it when we see it. 
uh, but we're mm-hmm. going to air towards uh, um, explaining, bringing context and providing clarity, um, especially because, you know, that's, I don't know, I like doing that. I like explaining things. Yeah. It's, it's the show. Yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the other thing that I want to lay out as a policy thing is, uh, so in, and I, I mentioned this before uh, online, but I think it's worth mentioning. If uh, So we have a Slack we have a community. Uh, if you join our Patreon, you can go to the Slack. If you go to Facebook, you can talk to people there. Uh, do not come at people in the, those groups or us with uh, get good nonsense. Yeah. Um, we, the, it is the official policy of the DuckFeed.tv network that there is no wrong way to play this video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's no one's business how anyone else plays a video game. Yeah. So... We're going to get to bosses like there's a late game boss that I could not beat and I ended up doing a pretty cheesy method to beat them. <laughs> uh, I don't care yeah. if, uh, if, that is, uh, if that is frustrating to somebody. Um, I don't feel like I robbed myself. Uh, and if you do think that, uh, please keep it to yourself. Yeah. It's not useful. And uh, it's, it's don't do it. Yeah. Um, it will be ignored. So uh, just giving you a heads up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah kind of if it's in the game it's in the game is you know one side of that and also nobody gets to gatekeep is another side of that you don't get to make try to make somebody feel shitty uh for the way that they decided to approach something especially if the game gives you the latitude to approach it that way yeah and that doesn't again you don't have to agree with that you could go you can play this game however you like Mm -hmm. uh just letting you know uh, you're not gonna move change us or shame us or anything like that mm-hmm. um and the reason why you bring that up is because that has happened in the past yep. and it's not uh an attractive feature of uh fans of hard games yeah it's uh it's it's very 2014 <laughs> like if you still do that like it's pretty out of step um you know i i would i would consider changing your your outlook yeah go back to icing your bros and planking bud yeah <laughs> yeah, I'm going to plank up a kukri and throw it at this boss. Uh, um, yeah. uh, kind of alongside that, just to, to let people know a couple things about a couple things about us. Uh, we're yeah. going to goof around. Um, also, we're going to be critical. It is not just our job on here to uh, convey what happens. We're not just straight pipes. We're also here to evaluate as well. Um, and yes. we are not always positive. This has been something that's blown back on us in the past. Uh, just want to set the expectation. While both of us are really positive on this game, it has a has a real halo for us. Uh, there are parts of it that are BS, and we're going to say that. So if you are looking for just an unadulterated love fest, you're going to find um, a lot of that as we talk about the highs. But uh, concurrent with that is talking about the lows as well. Acknowledging the failures of a work of art is an act of love. Yes. Uh, you know, looking at something and how you think it might be better is an act of, of, of criticism and, and close examination. And it's what yeah. we're here to do. And again, that doesn't have to be what you like, but we're just letting you know that's what we plan to do. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to agree with us or right. anything like that. Just don't be a, don't be a jerk, mm-hmm. you know, about it. Uh, the other thing is uh, we are political people. We live mm-hmm. on this earth. Uh, we have opinions on stuff. Uh, this, we are both, just to set an expectation, pretty left-leaning Mm-hmm. Uh, people. So it doesn't mean that every episode is going to break down like some kind of millennial McLaughlin group. Uh, about, about, um, I, nobody listening to this even knows what that is. Uh, the, the, it's, it's, a, we're, it's not, I'm a billion years old. We are not going to spend, like, turn into, uh, you know, uh, Chapo Sends Fortress partway through this. Uh, but, but we are, uh, you know, we have opinions and mm-hmm. we're not, we, the way that we have decided to carry ourselves in the network is 
is uh, we are not here to silo off parts of ourselves. Yeah. Um, for that. So we believe in uh, equal rights for everyone, like trans men are men, trans women are women. Uh, you know, gender is a spectrum. Um all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the spaces that we curate, so our Slack and our Facebook, are safe spaces uh, for those people. We don't tolerate mm-hmm. uh, bigotry in our, our comments or anything that we are able to. And don't come at us with that because you'll be ignored or blocked. And we'd rather you not listen uh, yeah. if that's the case. We don't have uh, time or space for people who are bigots. If you disagree with us politically, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't try to change our minds. Yeah, uh, It's just not going to work. And again, yeah. setting that expectation. like. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna make offhanded comments and jokes, and also we're going to analyze if something uh, in the game, you know, even though it is a fantasy world that has nothing to do with planet Earth, they're they're talking about themes and stuff. And if uh, yeah. you know if so, if something resonates with something about the actual world, then we're going to talk about it because again, all of this stuff is integrated. We are whole people, and this is a product made by whole people, and it is played by whole people. Yeah, that is our our philosophy, which is a great segue in talking about how the two fingers is NATO. <laughs> And, <laughs> and uh, Starscare Sheridan has instituted a yeah. no-fly zone of sorts. <laughs> yeah, there's he did make a no-fly zone. Like a literal, man, I can't believe Starscare Sheridan made that no-fly zone in the cosmos. Um, uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, I'm just joking there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's probably it for preamble, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, let's let, yeah. let's let's get into it, man. I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to cut into the steak, man. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about uh, here. Just getting the mechanics stuff, and uh, this is not going to be all inclusive. We're going to miss things. Mm-hmm. There's also things that I don't know yet. Yeah, um, I've only played through once as a melee guy who did some miracles. I'm just now starting with a caster, so there are things I don't I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's. Uh, so the basics. You know, Elden Ring came out this year, just February 25th. Uh, and it's a huge hit. It has the best reviewed from soft game mm-hmm. that has come out so far and is the biggest selling. It has sold uh, 12 million copies. It took dark souls three, four years to sell tell 10 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. suck it ring city. <laughs> uh, the, um, so this is uh, this is a huge hit, mm-hmm. huge, huge hit. And, uh, let's look at the mechanical reasons why that might be. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of broken this down into a few different, uh, into four different broad categories here. Uh, what's the same slash what's returning, um, from previous centuries in the series, uh, what has been improved, uh, what is brand new? Um, like just, Mm -hmm. you know, huge new stuff because this game have a completely different structure, uh, than previous ones. And there needs to be stuff that, uh, kind of accommodates that. Uh, and then there are also just kind of these recurring elements that it makes sense to outline at the top, especially because it will provide us with a bit of uh, a bit of framework for when we talk about the, uh, the regions in the game. Yes. Uh, an example of that, if you want to know what that means, like the ruins, for example, there are ruins dotted throughout. They're largely the same. Uh, that doesn't mean that if there's something notable about a ruin later, we're not going to mention it, but we want to set up a vocabulary. So when we say the blank ruins, we set an expectation for that Yeah. Uh, so we're all on the same page. Um, so this is still, uh, and this was, you know, I went into this as spoiler free as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know there was a jump in it. <laughs> uh, I was very afraid this was not going to be at a basic level, very much a souls like same. But it carries that forward. It's a third-person action game. Uh, we have lock-on combat, uh, you know, stamina uh, management, dodge rolls, bonfire checkpoints, 
things like that. There are some minor differences to, to a lot of these things, mm-hmm. but all of that's, that basic stuff is the same. That was the first of many kind of unclenching moments for me. You know, we talked about it in the first yes. impressions episode, but like the second I gained control and I saw like my hot items down in the bottom left and I saw the health bars in the, other, in the, in the upper left and I moved to the same and I could lock on the same when I realized like, Oh, this is, this is just a souls game, but with a bigger world. Okay, cool. Yep. Like I had that yeah, context. I, they didn't mess with the stuff that worked. That would, that's yep, what it communicated I, I to me at the flipped. start. I did a backflip. <laughs> I, 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 I loved it so much because I didn't, I didn't want anything uh, new from that because I, I like how this works Yeah, uh, quite a bit. Um, again, there are minor differences to this we'll talk about, uh, but it has that, it is a souls like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quite literally, um, when you die, you lose all your stuff. You have to run back to your corpse, all those standard kind of video game, semiotic, uh, uh, markers yeah. are there. Um, they also brought some stuff back from various entries. Uh, poise is back, uh, to a degree, mm-hmm. you know, uh, poise has never worked the same in any entry. Right. In this series. Uh, this is, uh, I still don't know exactly how this works. My current working theory on it mm-hmm. is that it's less powerful Dark Souls 1 poise. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It, it, it's a thing. So poise basically is whether you get interrupted uh, when you're doing an attack, uh, whether your armor has anything to do with that. You do have a poise stat in this game. Um, it uh, does determine how likely you are to be interrupted. I think that you have to have a lot of it to just power through regular attacks. Yeah. What I'm finding is that uh, hyper armor, which is a term that's very much like poise that comes from the fighting game community, which uh, your uninterruptibility is tied to doing a move or mm-hmm. using a certain weapon, um, is what they had instead of poise in Dark Souls 3, basically, and is uh, very important here as well. Yeah. Uh, this feels like it kind of has both. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important that it has both, you know, poise, you know, to jump to that so quickly here in the generalities, you know, that may be fiddly for somebody who is just kind of coming to this as an open world game. Um, it's really unsatisfying. You know, this was a problem in Dark Souls 3 where you've got a gigantic weapon and, you know, you're swinging it and you're. Your guy just goes into convulsions if a if a a mosquito bites. If a rat them. looks at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could be and, wearing the heaviest armor in the game, <laughs> and somebody with a dagger decides to scratch your back, and you're just like, ooh, you know, like you can't. I can't keep swinging my sword at this. Yeah, uh, it really changed the pace and rhythm of Dark Souls Three. It's something that evolved. Like it got patched and changed with mm-hmm. Dark Souls Three, uh, to where when I came back to it for mods, it was a little bit better mm-hmm. but it, in the initial release version of dark souls 3 it was very slight yeah um, uh, to the point and, where it made certain builds really really tough to swing you know like yeah. literally like if you had a big weapon that took a while to swing it was like i'm never gonna get a chance to use this thing yes <laughs> it, it changes the rhythm of everything every encounter you know you are wanting to get like an alpha strike of some kind mm-hmm. uh in in dark souls 3 because whoever gets the first hit kind of gets the combo chain. Yeah. Um, the other difference too in this and uh, between that is uh, in Dark Souls 3, enemies did have poise. Yep. Um, in this game, enemies do have a meter mm-hmm. uh, for this that you wear down with small attacks. So enemies do not automatically flinch Yeah. Uh, when you hit them, but there is a an intuitive sense to it, which has not always been the case. Um, if I am using a gigantic hammer and an enemy is medium or kind of wimpy, it will flinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know you can rely on it and you can immediately visually read it. 
Yeah. You know, uh, there are enemies that take longer to flinch because they're tougher. Um, but for the most part, it logically follows and it does a world of difference for the rhythm and feel of combat. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, that feels on loan from Sekiro. Uh, the the idea something that is kind of foregrounded in this is the uh, um, like the stagger meter uh, that was uh, that was there. I forget what they called it in Sekiro, but that feels it's, it's called posture. It's posture in, uh, yes. in Sekiro. Yeah. So I was thinking about that too. I think that the big this to me feels like um, like a hybrid between that and Dark Souls One. Yeah, like in Dark Souls One, you could stagger you know, uh, uh, orange scene or whatever mm-hmm. with it, uh, with big attacks. I think that the posture bar, the cool thing about the posture bar, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Sekiro was that it was visible. Yeah. I think that makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Making it invisible here makes it rely more on that intuitive sense. Yeah. Like this guy's baby. If I hit baby <laughs> with a sword, baby will, he's not going to like it, No, but this is a big boy, you know, big gonna bounce off big boy, you know? <laughs> that kind of thing yeah yeah so it's uh it's kind of those two things working in tandem and i don't mind the uh the intuitive approach as long as it does what i expect right you know, yeah expectations are so important and there are exceptions yeah there, there are things where it's like this this person just never seems to flinch and that's mm-hmm. that's frustrating yeah. uh but generally they do a great job of it yeah here. Uh, something returning from uh, Dark Souls 3 is the idea of you being able to split your um, refillable he- healing item. So in Dark, mm-hmm. Soul, in, the, in Dark Souls, this is called the Estus Flask. You know, it is something, you know, here it is the Flask of Tears. Um, it is mm-hmm. something that uh, you get a certain number of charges for it that can go up. And um, uh, you can uh, chug this in the middle of combat or in between encounters to uh, to heal it or to heal yourself, right? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Dark Souls 3 brought the ability to kind of split that and say, okay, if I have six total charges, I want four of them to be for health and four of them to be for restoring focus points, kind of the mana. Yeah. Uh, I think that wisely, uh, is brought back here. Um, you know, so you get a casting system with, uh, the mana, um, instead of, uh, having the kind of fancy and magic where you start out with a, uh, with a certain number of charges. I think this is again, lending more towards, uh, customization and really, really getting to have power over like how you want a particular run to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it works in concert with another big improvement is that like, there are good things to use mana on. Mm-hmm now which which we'll talk about but in dark souls 3 uh my experience may not be yours if you're listening mm-hmm. uh why would i ever have a uh the mana flask right. you know like weapon art sucked and mm-hmm. casters sucked <laughs> in that game uh here it's actually a choice yes. which i really appreciate um the uh for the first time since dark souls 1 uh you can level up at sites of grace which are the equivalent of bonfires uh here for some reason, like Microsoft <laughs> got this right once and then decided to stop doing it. Yep. Uh, it's nuts. Uh, it is, it is, it was a bonkers idea. Um, because in previous games, you know, for people who are just coming to Elder Ring for the first time, you have to go to the hub. Imagine if you had to go to Roundtable every time you wanted to level up. Um, that sucks. Yeah. It was just a loading screen tax and made no sense. Yeah. And uh, the, the hub areas are interesting, you know? Like, I think everybody mm-hmm. has affection for Firelink, Majula, et cetera. Uh, but there's not enough changing or going on to actually warrant those repeated visits, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it makes when you do visit more meaningful. Yes. Like, you're going for a reason. And there's still reasons to go back. You just mm-hmm. go back less. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, let's get into what's improved. 
um, starting yeah. with like the first decisions you're going to have to make um, your starting class and then therefore uh, your stats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we say improved because obviously there are rough analogs <laughs> to these in the previous games as well. Um, but I like the way that these characters differentiate themselves yeah. a little bit more. It feels like there are more options uh, mm-hmm. here, specifically more hybrid options. Yeah. Um, you know, previously you would have like tanky, tanky fighter, dex fighter, strength fighter, you know, thiefy fighter, and then both kinds of mages. Uh, but here we have uh, 10 classes and they allow for hybrids, yeah. you know, so you can end up having something. I ended up playing my first playthrough as a confessor mm-hmm. class, which is like a fighter priest. Yeah. Uh, with stealth elements. Like yeah. it is a neat blending. Yeah. And that's something that I'm, uh, uh, that I'm rolling that kind of character now because I wanted to mess around with faith stuff. Faith stuff. My first character was a, uh, um, a vagabond kind of the mm. regular, you know, standard tanky, uh, kind of guy. Yeah. I, I had done a hero first time, but then the horrible glitch that erases your save happened and okay. I lost a couple hours. <laughs> Oops. Um, it was a bummer. Yeah. And I, I'm playing through as an astrologer now, uh, who's the pure mage class. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, you can play a prisoner who is a mage fighter mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, there's also uh, the samurai, which is like an interesting uh, class, which is kind of a dexterity fighter and all around her, but also has a lot of ranged options and like really good weapons. Feels yeah. like the balance. Uh, it kind of comes through in starting weapons. Yeah, that armor is pretty yeah. good as well uh, yeah. that you start out with. They start with an Uchi Katana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and a bow. Good. Like, they're immediately specced to be able to use a bow. Yes, to be able to, to do all the things. Yeah. Um, so the classes are really good. Uh, we, you know, one of the fun things about FromSoft is they're always going to have a level one class that they neg. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one, it's called a wretch. I was really hoping for... There's one of them where it's like worthless waste of space or whatever. Wretch uh, is fine. It's kind of an insult. Yeah. Um, they, they call it a uh, just a, like, uh, what is it? An, an unfortunate being with no purpose or something like that. Yes. But they throw him a yeah. bone. They say, oh, he's got a nice club. Which, like, yeah. how, how yeah, nice can a, a club be? Club. I mean, yeah. like, there's uh, Homer's whacking stick from the Whacking Day episode. But hey, yeah, card it from a bigger, a bigger, <laughs> nicer club. Uh, so along with new classes comes kind of a uh, change on the way that stats are handled. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's and it's it's good. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, these are really minor shuffles that will not mean anything to people who are not, you know, who don't have context with from really, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they again, they feel significant there. Uh, so your status uh, kind of stats. You have these secondary stats, immunity, focus, and robustness mm-hmm. um, that are tied to other stats. Uh, and there are three different ones that resist three different types of status Yeah, uh, here for the first time. Um, this adds value. You know, so if you're improving your mind stat, which gives you more mana points, essentially, focus points, uh, this also makes you less likely to fall asleep or go insane uh, <laughs> in the game as a status effect. <laughs> I love what that says. I just, I, I, lo- <laughs> I love like the unintended like uh, message of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very <laughs> good. Um, they, uh, there's always a weird dump stat mm-hmm. in uh, in Souls. Uh, this time, it's the confusingly named Arcane. Yeah, uh, they don't know what to do with this damn thing. Uh, used to be luck. You raise it up to the minimum for stuff. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, and of course, whenever you know. we say that, the actual answer is, oh, there's this one weapon that you can get that is the most overpowered thing in the entire game if you put all of your points into this one stat. That has no other yeah. use. 
they, uh, they ended up actually, so it wasn't working. Weapons that were supposed to scale with Arcane weren't working, and that's something mm-hmm. they got fixed in a re- rapid, uh, recent patch. Yeah. As well. So that wasn't even true for a little bit. It was <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we have eight stats. We have our secondary stats. Uh, there's a lot more transparency in this. Yeah. Um, an example of that, now that I'm playing a sorcerer, uh, you just get the number for your intelligence scaling. That's so good. On a staff. Like sorcery scaling down at the bottom. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, they're not hiding that anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of something you had to guess or look up a wiki before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having those derived stats kind of be exposed and be um, affected by affected by your regular stats that you do have direct control over when you level up also gives you a little bit more ability um, and it makes it um, possible through equipment and through kind of this game's equivalent of the rings, uh, the talisman, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a way to uh, prepare for particular situations like if you are going into say the southeast of the map you're probably going to want going to want to do anything that you can to bolster yourself against scarlet rot which is kind of this game's version of plague yes yeah plague or toxic yeah uh here uh there are some new uh status effects uh generally i think that these are also improvements mm-hmm. um we're gonna have uh our instant death effect um you know be it curse or terror or anything like that um, here it's called blight uh, in the game. There's also just instant death as an effect. <laughs> death curse. Uh, that's yeah, really something. rare. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, you get, um, uh, oh gosh, what is it? We have Frenzy. Frenzy is back. Uh, yeah. Still uh, in the form of madness. Yeah. Uh, madness form now. Still don't know how uh, I feel about that. <laughs> it, it's it's better than it used to be. It does less damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, than it used to. Frenzy used to basically be a death sentence, uh, you know, or you'd have to just heal past it. It no longer just keeps going up if you're in the same, you know, zip code mm-hmm. uh, as a winter lantern. Like, you have to actually have, be in the sight of something yeah. causing frenzy or being hit by something that causes madness, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes your FP, which now means something. Yeah. You know, that would have been a fangless status effect. Mm-hmm. previous yeah i mean additionally you can also now inflict it on enemies as well there are yes. whole spells and incantations and you know even um uh weapon arts that will inflict madness and you know yeah that is like one of the ones along with scarlet rot that is like directly associated with actual actors in the uh, game's lore which is neat yes yeah uh frostbite is like status effects in general are just much more powerful now yeah um frostbite is back uh you know, despite being kind of rare in uh, in Dark Souls 3, now it is much more prominent. Yeah. Um, if you're frostbitten, you take more damage while you're frostbitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most enemies are susceptible to most things. Yes. As well. Uh, sleep is the, the brand new one. <laughs> uh, I have not fucked around with it too much. It's so I know good. it does what it says. Yeah, apparently it's it's very good. I found, um, a, I found a sleep dagger that I wasn't spec for, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like, <laughs> I found a uh, I found a sleep sword uh, that I that mm-hmm. I could use uh, Saint Trina's uh, short sword or something like that uh, that scales with intelligence. So it's per it was perfect for my build uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. And like its weapon art inflicts it. It just puts forward like a cloud of sleep sleepy gas, and its attacks mm-hmm. will build it up. Uh, it is a really overpowered thing right now because like it's kind of it's like like a stun you know like you can yeah. take somebody off of the board for a little bit so you can do it to a big big guy so you can focus on uh his ads 
uh, which is a mm-hmm. which is a good strategy. Or you can just use it to get some free hits in on something pretty big. I ha- I've not had it long enough to see if it's like especially effective on bosses, but just like everything else, you know, I'm sure that it will be. Um, you know, that they're going to honor it. That they will, you know, have have bosses that will be, uh, you know, susceptible to it. My understanding is that uh, some bosses are not, but even when they are not, um, when they don't go to sleep, they lose uh, their equivalent of FP and they get staggered. Hmm. Um, so that, I again, that's hearsay. Uh, the other thing is uh, that's back is Bleed. It's called Hemorrhage now, and it's really great. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, this refocus on status effects uh, from the player side is wonderful. Yeah, um, Status effects were always a threat to your character in the game and bleed has been viable for a while yeah. now, but think about, um, say like dark souls two or three, whether you would ever use a poison weapon, right? You know, you might use a poison spell, but a poison weapon is not going to be that useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it is. Yeah. Like I, I, I have a poison bow. It makes every arrow poisonous. I use it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all leads into a general refocus and expansion on the idea of build and customization. Yeah. Um, after these kind of took a real dip in uh, Bloodborne and uh, especially in Sekiro, right? Sekiro, obviously, it's the odd There's one out builds. because the guy because yeah. the game was yeah. There really wasn't something uh, you know an, an analogous. Everybody's everybody's wolf would be the same. Um, yeah, and, and, we, and we know that it's a different type of game too. Yes. Like we understand yeah. that it's not a role playing game and everything. Yeah, uh, we're just comparing it to From's lineage, not necessarily. We understand it's a different series. Yes. Yeah. Um, but wow, there are so many builds here and something that is pretty important is respects open up pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And they're plentiful. They're not unlimited, but they're plentiful. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, there are builds within builds of this. I think this is the widest variety of builds you can have Mm -hmm. in a game this company has done. So like I'm playing a mage, but what if I want to play a gravity mage, (laughs) you know, or I'm playing a priest, but what if I want to be a fire insanity priest? Yeah, it's there. Like it's there and it, or I want to be a beast priest. I want to be a stone beast mage. priest. He's not just a wrestler anymore. <laughs> like it's not just a venture brothers <laughs> villain. <laughs> yeah. He's a beast priest. Like that is a viable thing. Or I want to be a half dragon mm-hmm. caster or like there's, there's just a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, bows are really viable. Uh, bows do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Like an archer build would be viable yeah. uh, in this game, unlike other games. Uh, focusing on a status, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, very viable. A tank build is viable again. Yeah, uh, Armor makes a really big difference, and shields work. Yeah, and they just got uh, more shields effective. Are important. They just got more effective yeah. in the recent patch, too. Yes. Uh, builds are back, baby. Ah, woo. You can, <laughs> you can do a lot of different things Yeah. Uh, here. Yeah. Um, great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to help you make those builds uh, is the, the the rings. So you get talisman here. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, you know, if you're going to be one of those uh, special kind of casters, more powerful um, spells will take up spell slots. Uh, previously, you just got the ring slots you got. It was two in Dark mm-hmm. Souls 1 and then four. Um, and the ones afterwards, uh, and then in, uh, for, for, for spell slots, that was actually determined by a stat, uh, which was a little bit of a bummer because, you know, you were taking a level up and sinking it into attunement 
instead of making yeah. those spells uh, more powerful. Here, um, you get the uh, uh, talisman pouches. So just a different, just a different little fanny pack to hang off of your belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I stick a spell in here. Yeah, uh, and you also get Borenkian's um, helpful pocket. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you also get uh, like memory medallions to give you uh, extra spell slots. These are incredibly meaningful rewards, uh, which really um, uh, boost you. Uh, you know, give you mm-hmm. give give you a backslap and an attaboy uh, for going out of the way and taking taking on powerful stuff yes and they tie uh that character customization into advancement Mm -hmm. into the game world as opposed to simply numbers yes Uh, so you don't have that feel bad of leveling up attunement it also allows the game kind of tighter control over this in a way that feels good instead of bad yes um you know ties into an expanded uh reward economy in this game um you can you know everything is optional you know you just follow your own curiosity for the most part uh you know there are most things are off the beaten path uh but there are intrinsic and extrinsic reasons to do this Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i really like that they pulled back on and they did this in dark souls 3 as well dark souls 3 is good at this Mm -hmm. but bloodborne uh had a kind of a a breathness of items Mm -hmm. to find we're back to just carrying around you know, everything from every weapon shop in Final Fantasy with us. And yes, you can't use most of that. So you're going to get to the end of a dungeon and like, I'm not a caster. I just got a spell. So what is my reward other than some art and a little bit of lore? And that could be a feel bad thing. Mm -hmm. But in say like Bloodborne, they replace that with nothing or chalice dungeon bits, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about that as well as an improvement in this game. Kind of, uh, but two, there's so many of them that it's hard to get mad at. Yeah. Like I was finding things I could potentially use at a really regular clip or things that I was excited to use in a respec or another playthrough. Yeah. Like, uh, you are finding a new item and with new items sometimes comes lore which is neat that's mm-hmm. it's cool to learn about another uh, you know another aspect of life in this world or the movers and shakers in it um you're also learning about like a new possibility so you know if you find you, you made you may not have known that uh that the, the ice was a really big deal because you just you just didn't go in a direction um where somebody was using that on you uh and mm-hmm. then at the end of a, one of these little mini dungeons that you do you get a special weapon that you cannot use but like it says oh this will throw an ice cloud and also it stacks frostbite damage and it's like oh okay yeah um th- yeah. That, that that would be cool like i didn't know that was possible before it was, it was a really fun first experience thing for my imagination because i first saw a reference to madness mm-hmm. before i encountered anything that caused madness yeah and just because of the tropes that i like mm-hmm. you know it's just like ooh, <laughs> make way for madness don't mind if i do you know <laughs> uh one step beyond let's do it yeah um the uh so this this is this is huge uh we we spend a lot of time to some people's annoyance talking about that in the bloodborne season but it contextualizes everything you do uh the part of the equation of the joy of exploring is what you can find by exploring yes it's it's cheap it's a little dopamine you know snack that your Mm -hmm. brain gets for finding a little glowy thing and like oh it's a rune it's a rune level five rune cool cool Y'all take some extra souls. It never (laughs) feels bad, whereas finding nothing does. Or to me, finding Chalice Dungeon bits always felt really bad. There's a little bit of this. uh, We'll talk about this later. But if you find like a crafting material at the end of something like that, it can kind of feel a little bit bad. But it's significantly improved. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, in general, I love the pickup economy, and it's not just about. I mean, we, we can we, we can say like, oh yeah, just a dopamine kind of kind of deal. But we we, mm-hmm. we can say that, but like the reward economy plays into it, it touches and integrates with with every other thing too. Yeah. You know, I have, mean, it's it's on the scale, it's a simple carb. Yes. To just see a glowing thing and get it, but it, it's actually more important than it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of in addition to this, one of the things that you can find um, are upgrade materials. You know, this has been handled mm-hmm. in a number of different ways. You know, I think most complexly in Demon Souls where, you know, getting <laughs> uh, making a certain kind of weapon required you to uh, basically farm for particular kinds of stones to take to the, sm- to the smiths to use it here. Mm-hmm. It's it's simplified. Uh, there are just two kinds. There are the ones that will upgrade re- regular weapons, and there are the ones that will upgrade like special, unique weapons. Right. So ones you would get from get from bosses, ones with like very particular um, uh, weapon skills, uh, kind of attached to mm-hmm. them, uh, kind of one of a kind kind of deals. It's the regular smithing stones, and then the somber smithing stones, and they just have ranks, um, you know, yes. associated with them. A numerical rank. Yeah. You don't. You no longer have to try to decide if a chunk is bigger than a, a rock. Yeah. You know, or a slab. The also uh, these are really elegantly balanced mm-hmm. to me. Um, regular weapons um, have uh, that you require multiples of the stones to to upgrade. Uh, so each individual level will require more stones. Um, on the plus side, though. Uh, these allow you to put any weapon art on them you'd like, any Ashes of War. We'll talk mm-hmm. about those next. Special weapons don't allow you to customize them, but they only take one of every level of somber stone. Mm-hmm. So they're a lot easier to upgrade in some ways, and they tend to have a unique effect, but they're less versatile. Yeah. Um, on my playthrough, I found myself using one of each. Mm-hmm. You know, if I needed to bust out a specific Ashes of War for something, I would get out my, my Godskin slaying twin blade. Yeah, you know my Godskin peeler or whatever horrible <laughs> thing it was called. Uh, but if I ordinarily I would just use my Bloodhound's Fang, mm-hmm. you know, and they both it was easy to keep them at pace because they weren't competing for resources. Yeah, between the two of them, um, and uh, the balance was very good. Um, I think that you having that kind of arsenal is probably expected. Yeah, in this, you know, my uh, like my my weapons, like my my golf bag is full. I've got a bunch of different clubs in there. Um, mm-hmm. very few of which are actual clubs. I'm not, I'm not doing a lot of strike damage. Got a, I've got a flail no. that I'm, that I mostly use for that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not just rolling around with what I can equip at any given time. Like I am able to, you know, because of the way that this economy works, you know, keep a bunch of stuff, you know, like, uh, I've got like a handful of things that are as upgraded as they can be. And then I've got like midway upgraded stuff for very particular uses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, it it doesn't. It's not a menu tax where you're constantly flipping either. Yeah, like there's a there's a bad way to do that. Like I like this game, but you think about um, something like uh, what what is the name of that PS one game <laughs> that's in Ivalice? Um, uh, that isn't Final Fantasy Tactics. Vagrant, uh, Vagrant, story. Vagrant story. Yeah, yeah. You could run into like a Vagrant story thing where that game is cool, but you spend too much time swapping out weapons this did not feel like that it's it's still minimal there's yeah. just some of it mm-hmm. it hits the throttle correctly yeah um another big part of that arsenal and simplification are ashes of war these are very similar to dark souls 3's weapon arts except they're great yeah uh weapon arts blue than dark souls 3 <laughs> i like i know more people have seen a ufo than than use them um <laughs> In 
this, not only are they more effective, but making them customizable and tying them to upgrade paths or elements mm -hmm. just allows like an amazing amount of customization. So if you have a weapon art that is of the keen class, so like deck scaling, you can put that on a weapon, make that weapon into a deck scaling weapon in, and give it any of those keen weapon arts. Yeah. You know, if you want a weapon to do frost damage, you do a frost weapon art. Mm -hmm. um, this customization is just wild. It gives you that. it gives you almost like subclasses, um, and yes. and the the affinities that you put on, like that's the keen, that's the quality, that's the you know the bleeding, uh, kind of uh, you know elemental aspect uh, that you that, that you add to them or changing their scaling. But like whatever they put on is a special move that you can do. Uh, if you're double handing that weapon, um, that will, uh, uh, kind of play into that, play into that style. I found myself using mm -hmm. the buffs more often, uh, than I expected, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, things that would increase the, um, increase the damage that I do on the next, uh, kind of big attack that, 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 that I land, right. Uh, mm -hmm. things that would increase, you know, even my poise, right. Um, those have been interesting and fun to play around with. I would say even more so than the like straight up attack ones. Like I'm not as interested in a big spinning attack, although I can see certain weapons where that would absolutely be, be the case that that is what you would want to do for like spinning attacks, dude. The, yeah. For crowd control. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's the same. Like special effects are getting access to essentially a spell. Yeah. You know, Horfrost Stomp is a spell yeah. that you're able to cast uh, as a non-magic user. Uh, it gives you a use for your FP and allows you to diversify your way of attacking, which is meaningful because maybe something's very physical resistant. Yes. You know, you're fighting those little slimes. Uh, you can hammer away those guys forever with a sword or you can Horfrost Stomp them a couple times. Yeah. And they're gone. You know, and, and they're gone. Uh, these, these are really good. Uh, again, and, and being able to... Uh, switch on the fly is huge. Uh, yeah. Previous to this, if you wanted to make a fire sword, uh, you could do so, but it would take all of your upgrade materials and then you would use it. And if it turned out not to be useful for a specific area or not as good as you thought, well, that stuff's all gone. Find a new weapon and change it. Yeah. Or you can just swap the individual weapon. It means weapon arts are really meaningful rewards, uh, as well as the little uh, sharpening stone things that allow you to give different affiliations. Mm-hmm. Uh, like keen and, and stuff really meaningful rewards and just allows a lot of flexibility. Um, multiple times in this game, I was going through an area enemies were not taking damage to what I had going on. So I went in through magic or fire or something onto my weapon yeah. and it made a big, big, big difference. Yeah. I, bounce, I bounced off of this and then realized, okay, now I need to change my approach and, mm -hmm. you know, end up being able to use planning and knowledge of the systems to surmount a challenge that in other contexts in varying, varying degrees would necessitate uh, just outright skill or patience or, you know, just gritting your teeth and getting through it. Yes. You know, we, we, we talk about on this show and then also on the network, that kind of dividing line in video games uh, between planning and execution. Yeah. You know, and th there are games where uh, they fall you know, entirely on one end of the spectrum or another uh, there. And my favorite thing about early Dark Souls, my favorite Dark Souls games, is that they're they're really in the middle. Like, there's a lot of planning mm -hmm. that, that goes. You dismantle a situation, uh, and then you also have to execute. Um, when I don't like this series is when it leans too far into execution. Yeah. Um, here, we are firmly back in both are equally weighted. Yeah. Uh, territory which is really empower like really empowering and important yeah um so one thing that's worth noting 
um, about this is that there are uh, things that are definitely overpowered because of this build variety. Um, it's an open world game where you can tackle things in any order uh, and you can go and get very powerful mm-hmm. uh, and come back and fight enemies. There are kind of meme builds yeah. right now. They're really huge. Some of which just got patched yesterday. <laughs> uh, there's a moving target going on. Yeah. With yeah. this. Uh, so we're going to make some statements. Like right now we can say like bleed is really powerful. Frostbite is really powerful. That might change, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as things go on and we can't do anything about that. Yeah. So may- maybe check the most recent patch notes and don't base your build on what we say, especially if you're listening to yeah. this really far after the time we're recording it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about other new stuff. Let's do. Uh, there's some or, things that, new uh, improved stuff. Yeah, there's some yeah. things that needed to improve, uh, change subtly mm-hmm. in order to kind of better match, uh, mostly like the, the the new structure for the game. Um, so mm-hmm. these like are concessions, you know, like for the fact that we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about the jump later, uh, but um, uh, things like reducing fall damage, um, making mm-hmm. it so that you just have a bunch of stamina at the start. So you can maneuver uh, better, kind of take advantage of the increased mobility. I think. Well, well, not only that, like the the weird secret all star of that that I forgot to mention when we were talking about our notes mm-hmm. is that you have unlimited stamina if there are no enemies around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How good is that? It's How really... smart is that? How annoying was it in Dark Souls 1 to run back through like an area with no enemies and have to manage your stamina? <laughs> Just, I was like, I have to do enough of that in real life. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is for me to walk? It's, it's not hard for me to walk. No. Uh, yeah. But, but it's, it's just, it's significantly, it's just yeah. smart and it doesn't hurt anything. Mm. It just uses less of your time. Yeah. You it's, know, uh, it's so good. It's really good. And also reducing fall damage is amazing. I mean, there are yeah. falls that will kill you. Uh, there are falls that will take a you know pretty substantial chunk out of you, although it will damage um, uh, endurance first. It will damage your stamina, mm-hmm. uh, which, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is nice. But like this is a game that kind of, it, you know, is asking of you uh, to kind of get up there and makes literal leaps of faith. And, yes. you know, getting a sense of how far you can fall without dying or, you know, m- <laughs> Uh, a proceed at your own risk but like you know checking the uh, the messages on a ledge to see if it's uh, going to uh, kill you Um, Mm -hmm. you know like all of that just kind of widens the possibility and makes it um, you know less punitive it's not going to kill you just for wondering like all right I think I can kind of make it sometimes it does yeah but sometimes uh, it does and you still throw down a stone yeah but it's more generous and We'd be remiss not to shout out a friend of the show, Illusory Wall, whose uh, upcoming video at the time of recording, it may be out by the time you hear this, is about fall damage in Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to see like an in-depth explainer of that with you know data mining and testing and stuff, yeah, uh, he's done that. And also you should patronize Illusory Wall mm-hmm. and watch uh, all their videos because they're incredible. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to that because it does feel less percentage-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it feels like, you know, something either does damage or it doesn't yeah. when you fall uh, to me now. But it, it is it is a really big deal yeah. that it does that. Uh, lots of little easy-use things. You can fast travel uh, to any site of grace mm-hmm. um, from anywhere. You don't have to be at a bonfire to fast travel. Boy, is that um, still in my memory, though. Is that still in my muscle yeah. memory? I still sometimes sit down at a site of grace and then go, like, yeah. okay, where's travel? Oh, wait, no, I don't do it from here. Shit. Don't have to do it from there. <laughs> Once you get used to it, it's very liberating. Yeah. Um, you can't do it when enemies are around or enemies are aggroed, but because it's a big open world game, you just run away. 
mm-hmm. uh, until you can fast travel if you want that. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Uh, you know, you used to have to go through the hub, like leveling up. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, in, in, in Demon's Souls, you had to do that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, in the original version. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of bonfires. So uh, many sites of, them. of grace. Yep. Uh, and they tell you where to find uh, the next one or the next bit of your goal. They point in a direction. Yeah. Uh, that is really nice because, you know, uh, the way that the game is structured, you're going to be, you know, kind of you're going to venture in one direction until you kind of hit a bit of resistance and then go somewhere else. Like when you go back to the furthest that you went, um, uh, you know. Uh, previously in a different place to have that little reminder like no i'm not actually following the i'm, I'm not strictly following the, the the road i need to like check over here in these hills that this is pointing towards right the road may be a quick way to get over there uh but like that in you know having that guidance in addition to just the natural way that the world design steers you um mm-hmm. is a really nice and ultimately subtle touch um (laughs) it literally points you in a direction to go um without damaging the aimless um this world is gigantic and you know nobody is holding my hand how they manage to to be lost yeah and how they manage to have both of those things coexist i will never know uh but i'm happy they did yeah there's a lot of reconciling a dark souls game with an open world game that happens in this that is really clever i one of the things that is like my main thesis where i think about this game is that i don't feel like i feel like very very little was taken away yeah in the move to this type of game and move to open world i feel like it was almost purely additive yeah um the uh our hub that we have uh the round table hold you can go to this from anywhere once you unlock it it's kind of off the map and they add spaces in the game now there are more than just the round table hold uh mm-hmm. special spaces where you can't attack yeah uh this means you can't accidentally hurt a merchant mm-hmm. which was a big thing when you put down your controller uh back in the day uh yeah. there's still an absolute mechanic in the game uh, in case you attack another merchant out in the field, but in the big areas with the major NPC hubs, you're not going to accidentally fight anybody. Yeah. Uh, something that's kind of akin to that, um, is something that is actually returning from dark souls three. I think in dark souls three, it was ashes or dust or something like that. Um, but mm-hmm. here, um, if somebody who is a merchant or somebody who had like items that you could get, um, uh, dies, uh, they will drop mm-hmm. a uh, a bell bearing, you know, a little, little, little dangly clack, uh, clacker from inside of a bell. Um, uh, you can then take these to a special merchant and round table hold and just get access to their entire sell, um, selling inventory, uh, which is yes. which, which is good. So, you know, if somebody happens to die just because you progressed the, you know, a quest without actually buying everything from them, uh, you do not lose access to whatever they had, uh, which is a nice yeah. little uh, concession. And the, uh, it does mean that mechanically it's advantageous to kill every merchant, <laughs> which I don't do cause they're nice guys, but <laughs> y- you know, you just want to take their bell bearing and then have all the merchants in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do this. No, only monsters do that. I just leave a marker uh, where they're at and then try to remember. Yeah, well, yeah. That's actually something that, uh, just got patched in, hmm. uh, markers on the map for NPCs. Oh yeah. Uh, just got patched in yesterday and that's huge yeah. like that's not an improvement it's just it's an improvement that happened between like <laughs> last time we recorded and this time we recorded <laughs> I know, right? so it is an improvement over old elden ring but, uh, <laughs> they put npcs on maps now which is great yeah um uh, the uh, uh, uh 
so these bell bearings, it's a little different than Dark Souls 3. Like, I remember Dark Souls 3, a lot of times they would just be freestanding ashes. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be associated with a merchant. Like, yeah. you would just find a, a set of ashes. Or the uh, the badges in uh, Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah. For the same way. Here they tend, there are some freestanding ones, but just for upgrade materials. Yeah. The rest of them you get from, either from a couple bosses, or you get them from uh, a merchant dying. Yeah. Of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um. um Stealth is back Stealth. from Sekiro. Oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially it, in the overworld. Yeah. Yes. It's very useful. Uh, so they added, there were stealth elements in, say, like, Demon Souls. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, and in Dark Souls 3, you could put on the spy spell and run past stuff, you know, which was the closest thing to stealth. This basically lifts the stealth from Sekiro. You can crouch now, uh, and there's tall grass that you can be in. You no longer have one hit, one shot hits, but it does give you a little bit of that like dismantling a base yeah. feeling if you want it. Uh, <laughs> it's all that freedom of approach. Like you can just, you know, you can pull enemies one by one, duel them. You can stealth around the base. Uh, at one point without spoiling the context around it, I, you know, you sneak behind a dragon and steal a key. <laughs> How goddamn cool is that? <laughs> I, that, um, that is a that is a very memorable moment from this game. Yeah, <laughs> like it just adding stealth to this the same way adding jumping, which we're going to talk about when we talk about purely new stuff, adds new kinds of action. It reminds me of uh, if somebody is playing D anD D and then they play other tabletop games where the <laughs> verb isn't to fight. Yeah, you know, so it allows for different kinds of adventure. Uh, you know, in Dark Souls, the type of adventure I was doing, if I were going to make up a story that wasn't just I ran into some dudes to hit them with a sword, mm-hmm. it was all in my head. Here, like, ludically, I can be like, oh, here's a hallway full of fuckers. I got to sneak past it. <laughs> I do not want to wake up these sleeping things. This is this is my, mm-hmm. like, this is my story. And, you know, uh, places are designed for this. Like, you can be going through yes. a mine and there will be uh, kind of these already kind of like brainless, brainless and undead miners. But, like, they're going to be working. They're going to be pointed yeah. in another direction, focused on, you know, banging at those walls with their pickaxes, right? You can get pretty far in those places. Yeah, they got stuff to do. Don't interrupt them. Yeah, <laughs> don't interrupt them. Don't interrupt them with a backstab. That's the rudest way to interrupt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know? haven't you heard of politely clearing your throat yeah yeah and then you backstab you front stab <laughs> front stab your friends backstab your fake friends um the uh but yeah so the stealth element is great uh it was one of my favorite things about Sekiro. Mm-hmm. it's like sneaking around a base you know looking at patrols and stuff yeah uh, i love that it's in this game and i love that it's optional or area dependent yes because there are also times where i just like i just want to clear this fort or mm. I'm eager to see what's over the next tail. Let's run past it and let things chase me, or let's just fight this guy down. Yeah. You know, or like, I'm not interested in doing what's on the surface here. Like, I just want to like see, you know, <laughs> I want to uh, survey the place, see if there are any items that I would, that I want to pick up. And then I want to get um, underground because maybe there will be an entrance to uh, ruin down here or a labyrinth or something like that. Yeah. And there'll be like a side of grace there. So now all of a sudden I have a kind of closer checkpoint uh, for going out and dealing with things up there if I want to, or I can just not deal with them at all. Uh, again, yeah. so many options. Like the watchword no. for Elden Ring is options. N- not having to deal with stuff is huge. Like that is really tied into jumping in the horse, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But there are things where I'm just like, I just don't want to fight that. Yeah. It's going to take forever. You know, uh, I just, I'm going to find, use one of my many tools in my toolbox to just never fight that thing. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I think I killed one of the Iron Maiden enemies. 
<laughs> Again, not spoiling. There's something that kind of it's in trailers, yeah, uh, and load screens. But I think I only fought one of them, mm-hmm. you know. And then I was just like, I don't like fighting these things. Yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, soapstone messages are more useful in the context of an open world game. There are more secrets. There is more. Uh, there are more directions. Like there are, you know, a whole compass of directions in any given area. So if someone says, you know necessary item ahead and then points in a direction like an Mm -hmm. analog direction that has more meaning than a set of hallways might have that meaning like that can mean a lot more things Mm -hmm. um and like the way that these stick out is really good uh you know and as you are going down a path with your horse you know maybe charging from place to place you know so much of my exploration and a lot of you know actually finding things that i otherwise wouldn't have found because i was eyes on the prize or i was just sticking to the road was like all right there is a series of uh not just blood blood stains but also soapstone messages like roughly in this direction you know so i like can get off and then take a look and read this well you don't have to get off the horse to read them um but you can kind of see like somebody saying hey precious item ahead or strong enemy you know pointing towards like a group of trees or whatever like this is you know kind of making the world more digestible and making everything feel a little bit more like a um like a community effort you know somebody found it captures dark souls one feelings it really does uh, some of this may just be because we are playing this at a very very busy time for it uh you know yeah (laughs) Uh, and and it's 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 that for sure they're more useful than they used to be because i don't did not know the language of this game to understand, you know, I didn't want to hump every wall to see if there's a secret door Yeah, there. And then other people do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and they just tell me when it's at and I give them a good rating and keep going. Yeah, or you they know, lie great. to you. Um, these modern day. They lie to me. Yeah. Modern. <laughs> like these brave iconoclasts, these Anthony Jezelnecks <laughs> who are just, just in, man, can you imagine the humor of saying secret wall and then there's not a secret wall? Oh, what a knee slapper. I have been hoisted. I, <laughs> I, I get very irritated by troll messages mm-hmm. uh, in this game unless they're very clever. Yes. Uh, you have to be funnier than making somebody walk off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you have to call things that aren't dogs dogs. That always makes me laugh. That's funny. My, my new favorite one of that is likely prawn. <laughs> Uh, like there'll be like a horse, like a somebody, hmm, likely prawn. <laughs> like that makes me laugh. And then uh, the other meme one that still makes me laugh is you don't have the right. Uh, but there are ones that are too irritating. Uh, I I will I will die before I praise the message. Like nope. when people are like no secret path, but praise the message. Clout chasing. I, Fuck I, you. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. I will fucking kill you. Like, I just I I will never praise your message. Don't you, beg for it. Don't you, want it. You've made an enemy for life. Yeah, I have. I will study the blade. My son will kill your son. It, it's, it's, do not ask me to praise your message. Uh, but every once in a while, there are legitimately like pretty good jokes. Yep. Uh, there's a. There are a lot of people who have done unironic. Uh, didn't expect a weak foe. <laughs> and those always kind of frustrate me because I we're going to talk about this, but I like that there's a, a wide panoply of boss difficulties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the hardest boss in this game, like the challenge boss. And somebody put that by the bonfire after you beat it. <laughs> I didn't expect weak foe, dot, dot, dot. And that got a big laugh out of me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't either. You know, was like, this took me 20 tries. Uh, but yeah. Uh, why not? Good. Good. Yeah, good job. Well done. Uh, yeah. So every once in a while there are good jokes, but a lot of times there's useful stuff and it pretty quickly you can ignore the non-useful. Yeah. 
kind of horseshit. Then you kind of kind of learn um, to read it. Uh, one of the best ways yeah. to uh, find useful things is to use the DuckFeed uh, group passwords, either DuckFeed or yeah. uh, Flock with a capital F. You can sign on to multiples mm-hmm. of these. This is an improved thing because there had always been passwords uh, that you could set up to co-op with, with specific people. This is for communities. Um, yes. And it's super good because both uh, messages and bloodstains will get rings around them um, if it's mm-hmm. somebody in your community. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, I immediately will read anything that a Duckfeed person um, has uh, has put down uh, because they've Check. never steered me wrong. Well, and uh, if somebody in one of the groups you're in beats a shard bearer, you get bonus runes yep. for a period. Uh, so it's real nice. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a really cute, it's non-spoilery. Uh, it's very good. Yeah. Do it. Um, yeah. Join us. Uh, it's, it's real fun. Um, the, uh, there's some stuff that you could do before that is easier, uh, here. So you could do jump attacks before, you know, by tapping forward and R2 at the same time. Uh, it was awkward. Uh, you also had charge attacks, uh, What's useful now is that uh, they just do more damage and mm-hmm. do more stagger. Yeah. Um, back traditional backstabs are back. Uh, no longer do you have to charge for them, which I love. Yeah, that's um, good. the uh, but just these are just things they've had before that are just better explained and easier to do. Yeah, um, multiplayer is so much easier now. Uh, there are no faction mm-hmm. requirements. Like you do not have to join a covenant in order to make different kinds of multiplayer happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the items where you can do unlimited like invasions um, are hidden behind quests, but like they're not especially difficult, and you can get to them right away if you want to. Um, Multiple quests, yeah. Like there, there are different items like that and different ways to lead to them. So if you're a PvP person, you have options on how to get that unlimited yeah. PvP item. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to use a rare item to see summon signs. Like you, there's an item, but you craft it and you make it out of, uh, readily available materials that are just scattered across the land. And so as you're yep. riding by on your horse, you just yoink those things up. And I've never, I've, you know, I've never gotten to the point where like, okay, I only have three humanities, humanity sprites left. Uh, so I gotta make sure that the next time I co-op it counts. Right. Well, they, they, this ties into the way that they've changed multiplayer again in a way that I think is really clever, mm-hmm. um, where you use that item, but instead of it being a binary, like a thing you toggle, you know, like being uh, Embered mm-hmm. or or what have you in Dark Souls 3, it's something that lasts just until you summon mm-hmm. uh, and lasts in a certain area. Yeah. Um, this The reason why that's important is because it cooperates with the invasion mechanic. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later in detail, but the simple version is you can only be invaded when you have somebody with you. Yeah. Not only does that give the natural disadvantage to the invader, which is the way it should be, but it gives you, you're not going to turn human for a boss, beat the <laughs> boss, and then be at risk of being invaded after the boss when you're checking out a new area. Yeah. You're no longer, you know, for the sake of, you're no longer human. You're no longer, uh, using that finger. Uh, mm-hmm. in the in this in this game um so you uh you don't have to worry about that yeah god how much better are goofy soapstone messages than dirty ones <laughs> i know we already moved past that but it, <laughs> saying finger made me upset about it like yeah the first person who was like you know i wish i had a big butthole or like try finger big butthole or whatever mm-hmm. sure okay i'll give you, you that. know i'll, I'll i'll give you that uh but if you've seen it and then you're just putting it everywhere yeah it's got real like Team Fortress 2 spamming an offensive spray paint <laughs> energy. It's going to freak out the squares, man. 
Again, it's very 1998. <laughs> like it's 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 very uh, uh, very grow up. Uh, I think <laughs> it, it's. I mean, it's not just it's not just that it's purient because I like plenty of purient humor. Uh, it's that it is unoriginal. You know, like yeah. the first person who did Magnificent Chest Ahead or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Sure, good one, bro. Good one, man. Again. Like yeah, <laughs> like there, there, there's you know sticky white stuff ahead. Like there, there's. You know, a dirty joke is good. Yeah. But just everyone who's like, oh, jokes have been solved. I don't have to think anymore. <laughs> like, that is a bummer. Yeah. You know. Uh, and then also uh, tons of horrible sexism. Oh, of course. Tons of, of sexism that happens. And then tons of, like, I'm finding a lot of embarrassing incel shit. Like, Ooh. a lot of no maiden, therefore, and then, like, people jumping off cliffs. <laughs> I'm like, take that shit off main. Yeah. Man. Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> like, um, if you do that it should reveal your home address come on i like yeah. <laughs> not for anybody to hurt you but like to just kind of help you out like i think you need some yeah, to, to, need a buddy <laughs> yeah send you yeah send send you a, send you a get well card <laughs> uh, you know, like i don't know uh oh man um <laughs> <laughs> and then this, finally, uh, there's more quick access stuff. Yes. So Dark Souls has always had like kind of an issue with this. You have to scroll through uh, spells or items mm-hmm. like that. This adds a uh, pouch hop bar you can go to to use like seldom used items like your torch or lantern or your horse whistle mm-hmm. uh, that you don't need on your forever hop bar, but you do need quick access to. Yeah. So great for non-emergency things. That's nice. Uh, let's talk about brand new stuff. We've alluded to it before, but, uh, uh, like house of pain before us, we are jumping around. We can jump. Uh, you could always, you could jump in Sekiro and you could jump in dark souls through a weird dashing (laughs) dodge thing. You could only jump down. (laughs) Yes. Uh, it was very difficult. You know, that had some charm because that game wasn't a platformer. Mm -hmm. Uh, this has for a slow action game like this has pretty reasonable, like, kind of platforming segments. Yeah. They don't feel bad. And jumping uh, does tons for not just uh, your, your your character empowerment moving around. Uh, it impacts level design. Mm-hmm. Um, you're no longer stopped by waist-high walls. Yeah. And the like. Uh, it also, uh, something I thought of, is this completes the circle of tying Dark Souls combat into Castlevania 1. Oh, yeah. Because jump attacks are important. Like, being able to attack while moving your damage box forward Mm -hmm. is uh, a legit verb in this similar to Castlevania. Like, in Castlevania, you have to stop to attack. Here, you have to stop to attack unless you do a jump attack. And closing distance and hitting at the same time is a really cool new strategy that you could do before technically, but was difficult and it depended on your weapon and the like. Yeah, it's finicky. Like, it didn't always work. Um, you yes. know, here it just, it makes sense to do a jump attack. I jump and then I attack. Um, yeah, yeah it makes you feel much more nimble, uh, which is, mm-hmm. which, which is nice. Uh, and the, the, the impact on level design cannot be overstated. That's why I'm stating it again. You know, there are, it makes, uh, kind of being high up feel a little bit less precarious and they can, you know, ask for more of you, uh, in that regard as well. You know, yes. there, like there are some real tense jumps, you know, like, so just climbing up the sides of some real towers on this, where the sense of vertigo gets, gets pretty up there. Um, and the fact that it equips you for that makes that sensation possible because before it just wouldn't have been able to ask you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's also a defensive 
verb. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the early bosses in the game has a bunch of earthquake stomps. Uh, I don't think this communicates this to you very well, no. but the idea there is to teach you to jump over ground effects. Yeah, a, um, uh, a speedrunner um, that I saw retweeted, I forget who, so I can't give proper credit, apologies, uh, pointed out that jumping gives you more iframes than rolling. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't mean you can just, like, you'll still get hit sometimes when you're jumping. You're not fully invincible mm-hmm. while jumping. You're invincible during certain parts of the jump. Yeah. Uh, but it does get you away from the ground. Yeah. Uh, which is useful for a lot of ground-based attacks. Uh, yeah. That will happen. Um, so just purely additive. Yeah. You know, as an addition. I, I love that it's there. Uh, I also love Torrent, the good, good boy. <laughs> Torrent is so good. I, so I yeah. haven't beaten the game yet. Um, I'm making progress, uh, but this is mm-hmm. a gigantic video game. Um, I'm terrified something bad is going to happen to Torrent. And I know that you can't say. Um, he gets way into QAnon. <laughs> Damn it. it. Yeah, I know. I know that's not what, you, but Torrent, Unleash the Storm, you should have put it together. Mm, I really should have. Uh, honestly. It was yeah, all there. It, but yeah, he, he turns into a real chud. It's predictive pro- programming. Yeah. He gets on some bad YouTubes. <laughs> oh, the algorithm <laughs> makes fools of us yeah. all. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, Torrent's great. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think very wisely, they don't introduce Torrent right away. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go venture, venture out and find a couple of sites of grace before, uh, you, you, you get this good, good boy. You can summon mm-hmm. him. Um, uh, you can summon him with just a whistle, just a special item that you have. He has his own health. Uh, so if he takes mm-hmm. a bunch of damage, he will uh, dissipate and you can resummon him, uh, resummoning him in a uh, boss fight. Uh, if you have him in a boss fight, uh, takes one of your healing charges, which is nice, yep. but just resummoning him out in the world does not. Yes, uh, if he if he were to die, yeah. Uh, there, you can also craft items that you feed him, but I cannot imagine doing that inventory tax. Yeah, uh, to restore his health. Uh, personally, even though I love him, yes, he's a good boy. <laughs> uh, they did a ton of things uh, with this in terms of ease of use. We mentioned this earlier how you can pick up things mm-hmm. from Torrent. Uh, that on its own is really really good. Yeah. Um, imagine. <laughs> you know how irritating it would be to get off this horse oh man every I, single time you want to do something like that the outcry they, um, like if they didn't put that in they would have to patch it like mm-hmm. I, they also gave him a double jump um <laughs> so torrent is actually sometimes like there's platforming in this game and then there's horse platforming mm. it's not just uh, an event at the dark olympics they call it dressage <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the uh, it, it's a and it ends up making torrent a good choice for like a lot of platforming challenges mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if you're able to, it makes a delightful little sleigh bell noise when you do it. Um, he summons yeah. a little spectral platform under him to give him a leg up. Yeah, he, what what a good boy. Yeah, uh, it also makes moving through. Uh, it contributes to that avoidance we talked about earlier. If you don't want to fight something against the overworld, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can run away from bosses. You know, like field bosses. I'm like, I just don't want to do this right now. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, and it obviously it makes getting to places easier. They also incorporate it into some puzzles. There are places you can only get to mm-hmm. with Torrent. Uh, he's fully integrated. Yeah. Uh, fully integrated and there's basically zero friction to using him. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This does introduce mounted combat, which I do think could be better. You know, it's an mm-hmm. awful lot of like either tightly circling around somebody or um, do, uh, attacking in passes, uh, kind of trying mm-hmm. to time your uh, to time your swipes. Uh, this is a way to make field bosses easier, though. There are some that feel like especially designed for you to kind of have your little spirit summons um, fighting on the ground and you kind of like harrying things from the edges 
um, uh, from horseback. To, to me, it fixes dragon fights. Yeah. Is the big thing it does. Like fighting the dragon on horseback, uh, even you know with or without a summon, feels more epic and cool mm-hmm. than going toe-to-toe with it. Like it's a lesson, like, or ordinarily you just kind of go right into its crotch mm-hmm. and like hang out and hope it doesn't breathe fire on you. <laughs> you know, this 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 feels cooler. I I like my instinct is to agree that it could it's not perfect, but I also don't know what to do differently. Mm-hmm. Like Mounted combat is passes. Yes. You know, like that's how, that's why you do it. Um, I think that the the issue with the game, the criticism, and I think Will is the person who originally uh, made this on Twitter, so I'll give him credit, is that there are bosses that do seem like they're made for it, but they're actually way harder. Yeah. Like if I'm fighting another horse boss, I want to be on my feet. Yes. You know, I need to be able to dodge roll and stuff. But if I'm fighting a dragon or something like that's bigger than anything, I do want to be on my horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of yes and no. It's also really good. Uh, horse-based archery is really fun Yeah, in this and really powerful. Yeah. So it's not perfect, but it's good. It is. I think. Additive. Yeah. Yes. Additive. That, that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, the biggest difference is there's an open world. This ties into the jump and the horse. <laughs> uh, and this is really interesting. Uh, so like Dark Souls 1 had a sense of nonlinearity and is kind of a small contained open world as well. Yeah. Right? Uh, Dark Souls 1, you go to the graveyard and you're like, this is too tough. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That feeling kind of stopped being replicated yes. in these games. They they gave up on that as an idea uh, until now. Um, and it's part of the reason why this game has so much my affection is because it evokes Dark Souls 1 in that way. Yeah. Um, you can hit anything in any order. One of the first major bosses that you can fight uh, is my nemesis, and I hate him. <laughs> and I went and did everything you could do before fighting him. Like, I need yeah. to come back when I can humiliate him, not just beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very happy to have that freedom. Yeah. Um, the first non, uh, the first mandatory boss in the game that you can run into, who may not be mandatory, it skips, but, you know what I mean, is very, very tough. I think it's, it's communicating, hey, go do some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a nonlinear game. You want to go get some experience and then come back and do this. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I said earlier that the watchword for Elden Ring is options, and this is this is just options. Uh, and also, like, I think that it plays into a tone and a feeling. You know, the fact that this mm-hmm. sprawls, uh, the fact that, you know, <laughs> uh, something for that, re- that returns from Dark Souls 1 is, you know, I see something at the distance and I know that I'm going to go to there. Here, it's, it's always the case. You know, and you're going to cover a lot of distance to do it. Um, there is the intimidation at the start, and then there is the sense of triumph as you uncover stuff on the map and realize, like, no, like, I kind of, I, I'm mastering this space. Um, it's just happening yeah. at this kind of grandiose scale that feels improbable, um, you know, that it, that it is this big and also feels this dense. Yeah. The areas and the overworld, exploring the overworld, are not as successful as the more designed spaces. Yeah in this but again you know i said this earlier one of my theses for this game is that we didn't lose anything we just gained stuff yeah because those design spaces in this are as good as they've ever been Mm -hmm. uh they call most of them legacy dungeons in this but there are the best levels from has ever done are in this game uh in my opinion uh they're just in between spaces in the open world yeah you know so uh if you're bummed out by the idea of these fields, which there's not as much encounter design, there might be an enemy there. Uh, you know, I think there's more than initially seems mm-hmm. like there are little, uh, 
there are like forts and the like or or towers and it's like oh it's one third of a demon of d of one one from mm-hmm. demon souls that's just sitting out in the field i'll take a demon soul snack why not you know uh but you can also get those big interconnected shortcuts looping back upon each other full of secrets uh levels as well yeah and you can also do them in any order and yeah. miss them you know it's it's almost like a world full of painted worlds <laughs> in a way beats still my heart yeah yeah uh being in an open world and being nonlinear uh just gives you options and things to do if you bounce off mm-hmm. um which happened to me a lot yeah you know i don't feel like fighting a boss right now i feel like exploring a zone what's over here mm-hmm. there's more for me to do you know when you encounter yeah. resistance there's always there the, there's always a place for that pressure to go you can yes. follow your energy this in a way that uh feels rare that has been rare for the series especially as it's gone on yeah i don't i do not want to be forced like extrude myself through a play-doh fun factory <laughs> you know i want to flow like water like it mm-hmm. is i don't take any joy out of being made to be a shape yes you know if that if that makes sense uh and th- and this game is really good at not doing that i think wonderful mm-hmm. um there's a day night cycle in this that's something they've been wanting to do forever uh, which is really <laughs> gonna be in bloodborne and dark souls 3 um it matters uh here there are special spawns and events um your visibility is affected uh things like that there are also weather yep uh, elements that change uh spells like final fantasy tactics basically mm-hmm. so like more effective when it's raining yeah things like that uh and it just adds dynamism and beauty oh it's so pretty yeah. like just uh yeah. like when when you're rolling up and you like you see the clouds above and you see the line of the uh of the storm you know, like mm-hmm. just the just the the, the on the oncoming uh, wall of rain. Uh, you know, it's it, it's real good. They 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 manage to make this feel like a uh, like like a living breathing uh, place just by that. Um, you know, dy- dynamism to it. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, being on Storm Hill <laughs> and just like you know riding a horse at top speed, being chased by giants in a thunderstorm. <laughs> like, just very very good fantasy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so something they had to add and something that has never been in the series before is a map. <laughs> um, yes. You need an ability to orient yourself. Navigating this without a map would be uh, would be a nightmare uh, here. It is an incredibly good map. Um, it mm-hmm. is like hand painted uh, <laughs> in, in, in a way with like just enough detail to like suggest where things of interest might be. Um, and it has a ton of usability features to it. Um, uh, which is, which is real nice. Uh, but like something that, uh, before we get into those, uh, specifically talking about the way that it unfurls, this is a minor spoiler, but the map that you see at the beginning of this is not the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps, uh, pulling out. Yeah, as it just you know. It's a great little out. trick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it also, uh, is unreliable. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's hand drawn is really important. Yes. Um, the map can lie to you. Yeah. Uh, but it's very judicious when it does this. Like you think you can get somewhere and you can't like the map makes it look like you could just, you know, horse there. Um, this for me, uh, the experience was a fun challenge Yeah. when this happened. Like, oh, I know that exists. How do I get there? Um, and you can have that feeling. Uh, again, I think this is something that Will mentioned first, but I also felt it where you can see something very, on, very early on, wonder how you can get there and spend 
tens of hours mm-hmm. not getting there and then do something unrelated and end up there mm-hmm. and be like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, this is something I've been staring at for a very long time. Yeah. Um, like for the, the tutorial zone yep. uh, is an island in the game. You can get back there. Yeah. Uh, I spent 40 hours, something like that, 50 hours just, just trying about. to figure out how to get back there <laughs> until I did it on accident. And it was a really good feeling. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this feels kind of familiar. Oh, is that the yeah. cat? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, there's yeah, not a tutorial a, boss. There's not a whole lot to do there, the but I, I can get revenge. That's good. Yeah. Revenge <laughs> is good. Yeah. First off revenge. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, yeah, uh, I, I like that the map is here. I like the way that you uncover it. You know, you go into, uh, unknown territory and, uh, there is no map there. You have to actually go find the piece of it. Uh, but important things and especially like markers will still be, uh, will still be kept there. So if there's a sign mm-hmm. of grace, you can, you can see that and still warp to places, uh, things like that. And when you find the piece of the map, it just kind of fills out the terrain for you. Yeah. It's, it's also very, uh, of limited use in a prestige dungeon. Yeah. Which maintains that Dark Souls one, like I have to create a mental map. Yes. Of this. The way the map is scaled uh, is to be very useful for big landmarks and geography features, but way less useful for walls. Mm-hmm. You know, an overhead view of this palace does not really tell me how to navigate inside it. No. Uh, and there's going to be broken hallways and locked doors and all that stuff. So when you get into a dungeon, you are back in Dark Souls one mode. Mm-hmm. I need to create a mental map of this place. Yeah. Um, something that is really nice about this, I love, uh, how uncluttered the map is, uh, the mm-hmm. fact that it is not an Ubisoft, uh, you know, just map marker, uh, just, just vomit yeah, of tasks. Map. Yeah. Yeah. The nightmare map. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, you know, but it, you are able to, uh, customize it, uh, placing down these little waypoints, you get up to five, at least at, as of the time of recording. Uh, you put down mm-hmm. your own little uh, beacon, right? And it not only appears on the map, but it will appear as a um, it will appear as a pillar of light off in the distance, um, mm-hmm. and it will also add that to your to your uh, compass, which is available kind of in the field screen uh, where you're at. Uh, super neat to just like chart a path and say like as i'm going roughly in this direction on the map i want to hit this place this place and this place or i'm going to put yes. a, i'm going to put this um thing here or look in this direction and uh see okay is there a castle that i can mark so the, that i will kind of still be able to orient against it uh really nice feature in addition to the handful of markers that they give you, a little skull, mm-hmm. a little walking man, yeah. a little chest. There's a, there's a boss here I want to come back and fight later. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's weird that they didn't put one for teleporters. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the main thing I wanted to like, I don't want to go in this now, but I do want to <laughs> come back and check it out. I use the walking man for that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I ended up using the the little diamond. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are... Uh, so you can also just pull up a checklist of all the different graces mm-hmm. that you've been to and just go to them directly. And you can as mark very them useful com- for going to the round table uh, hold. You can mark them complete too. And be sure that you yeah. check the, uh, the the way to do that. So like, yeah, I I, I will, uh, if I do everything or if I feel like I've done everything here, I can just mark this one complete. That way I can know um, at a glance like where there is still unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, for the most part, they've decided to do away with boss runs. There's still somebody on the team who likes boss runs yeah. because there's, there's a few of them, but generally the way they get around this of not wanting to put, you know, clutter and have too many, uh, sites of grace 
you know, like you have Dark Souls 3 problem of, you know, having bonfires you can see from other bonfires, mm -hmm. is something called uh, a stake of Marika, which is very useful. Uh, they're usually just outside of a tough encounter or a boss, and you respawn there, but you cannot do uh, the other verbs Yeah, there. Um, these are great. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. They're often really hard to see, but you don't have to activate them to use it. Uh, you just kind of mm -hmm. respawn at it and, okay, this one had its arms knocked off or it doesn't have its wings, but doesn't matter. It still works. Uh, yeah. they, they, these are really good. Um, yep. So a little bit more confusing to me. I've not been able to find like a really good explanation of this. Have you figured out what summoning pools do? It kind of. Uh, I, I think it's just, uh, it allows, uh, so my first thought was if you activate a summoning pool, you're in those pools. You can be summoned for all those things, Yeah, but it's, it's, you have to be near them. So it's like you activate a summoning pool and then you put down your sign. And then when you're in the vicinity of that summoning pool, you can be pulled in for that. Yeah. Is the idea. Uh, I only kind of get it. And quite honestly, it only kind of seem to make a difference yeah when i would activate them or not uh it is poorly explained yeah there there's a, there's a tutorial card that you can get that says that it gathers up the summoning signs uh mm -hmm. but that wasn't necessarily the case you would activate a summoning pool at the beginning of a uh of a, of a dungeon uh or the beginning of an area and then you would go uh and find summoning signs right outside of the uh the gate uh which is yes. weird yeah the uh, the wiki says it makes it easy to find other players. So maybe it actually just and changes connectivity. Maybe like puts you. You know how there's like the back end math for, you know, like whether you're going to get a sign. You know, yeah. the, the dice about whether a sign's going to show up in your world and stuff like that. Maybe it just improves. Yeah, it puts that. you. It, it like literally puts you into a bigger pool on the back end of like possible summons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's my guess. Um, there is a greater focus on puzzles. This is weird. This yeah. Uh, some of them are really cool, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I like some of the puzzles. Some of them are uh, lame, yeah. admittedly. Like, you know, uh, go and collect the three dealies that are hidden around this area. Mm -hmm. Feels a little below from soft to me. A little bit. Uh, go and you know? uh, go and light these torches uh, in some instances. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's, okay. Is this yeah. Spyro the Dragon? Like, why <laughs> Why am I doing that? Um but they're they're not enough to bug me. Uh, the, to me, the more interesting ones are the ones that are in the uh, catacomb dungeons yeah. um, that involve finding the lever. Uh, there's one of them that is incredibly devious uh, <laughs> that I uh, and I bet you people will know what I mean when I say that because it's the most devious one uh, in terms of puzzle, uh, not you know dexterity challenge or whatever. And I felt very proud of myself for figuring it out. Yeah. Um, so these are a mixed bag. Uh, to me, but when they're cool, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some stuff that's in combat that's brand new here. Um, boy, I love the guard counter. Uh, and mm -hmm. early on, I completely negle neglected to use it. Uh, it. It's they want you to do them on that first boss. Yeah. Uh, that you fight in the tutorial zone, the Godric soldier. Mm -hmm. um, this is great. Uh, this is a critical hit you can do that does not involve uh, timing or skill particularly. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone gets a critical hit. Uh, you know, pairing is not just for MLG gamers anymore. <laughs> so uh, for this one, like, you know, if you if you guard, like if you block with the shield or something like that, uh, for a brief window, if you do a strong attack, you will do an extra strong, uh, you know, kind of critical uh, scale attack. 
uh, mm-hmm. that will uh, that will uh, you know have a pretty good chance of hitting, but like not always. There are some enemies that are too fast, or if you block in the middle of a combo and try and fire it off, fire it off, uh, you'll get hit by the rest of the combo. So you still have to read the body language of a boss and know their patterns to understand mm-hmm. when there's going to be an opening. Um, when they're going to be, you know, not going to hit you, but also not like moving out of the way. So they will be out of range. Ideally it's when they bounce off a shield. Yes. Is when you want to do this. If they were deflect off your shield, which makes great shields in this very powerful, mm-hmm. uh, using the, you know, you, specking for a great shield. If you're able to on top of everything else is a really helped out my melee character. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the big thing this does when you attack is it does a lot more stamina damage. Yeah. So it's not a guaranteed stagger, but it's much more likely mm-hmm. to stagger or put somebody into a repostable uh, state. Yeah. Here. Uh, and I, I just love what it communicates philosophically, you know, compared to Bloodborne, which is like, you know, roll. You know, roll and, <laughs> and, and parry. Like, we don't want you to be able to block. The shield in that has a little post-it on the back that says shields are for wusses. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Here, it's just like, no, why not, man? It yeah. can be fun to use a shield. Go for Don't it. Don't be silly. Yeah. We're going to we're going to yeah. honor this build just like we honor a lot of other builds. Welcome to the yeah. party. Like this is this isn't something that, you know, ne- you need to be ashamed of, you know. Yeah. It, it is not something that you are hiding behind. It is a part of active combat and, you know, I think notably as well. I think that is a nice bridge toward um uh <laughs> toward getting you out for behind the shield, uh specifically because you you know, it is rewarding you for understanding when you can take a risk. Right. It yeah. is, it, you know, it is not just that you can passively, you know, hold back on this and hope that its stability will mitigate damage and keep it as stamina damage so it doesn't go over into health and then waiting for your turn. Um, it is trying to get you out from behind it so you can make those. And to watch uh, for openings. Yeah. Make the, you know, just uh, gauge your risks. Right. Um, yeah. And that is a real cool thing that they decided to add. It almost feels a little bit like manuals in um, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, go on. I mean, no, I, I just <laughs> no, just to, just just as a way to br- bridge certain, um, as a way. Oh, to, sure. Yeah, you know, like so br- like, bridge different attack chains or combos or yeah, things. Yeah, you know, or, yeah. Or, or or to bridge out of guards into uh, in, into attacks or get you into combos, uh, things like that. You know, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's to to me the biggest thing is that it's just it's no longer saying like this game can be played by any style except you, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, it feels less, uh, evil yeah. to me as a, as a, a, more, less prescriptive and controlling. Yeah. Um, I'm glad everybody gets a critical attack now. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much, uh, in that non-prescriptive and controlling and something that I would like to see backported into every single game they've ever made please, is a uh, spirit ash summoning in this game. Uh, this is your, uh, difficulty slider <laughs> and your thing that, uh, so dark souls, uh, prior to, uh, Sekiro, which had no summoning was always a game where you had dominion over how easy it would be through summoning. Yes. Um, this was something that was intentional. The devs wanted this. Uh, if you needed help, you could call for help. Yeah. You know, this is inspired by our famous anecdote. It's baked in the DNA of the game. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, would be that, uh, you know, an NPC that was always keyed to, uh, be brought into a particular fight or be that from another player, uh, who you could yes. summon in, uh, they were kind of pulled it, into the same pool. It was never the game's intention to communicate to you that the only way to play it is one, one-on-one honor duels. Mm-hmm. That's something that players brought and yes. became part of the culture around dark souls. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I try to, uh, up until, 
uh, Dark Souls, even through most of Dark Souls three, I fought most, you know, all the bosses alone. Mm -hmm. There are a few of them I didn't. Uh, I like fighting a boss alone. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea somewhere along the line, the discourse and the community started thinking that is what the developers intended yeah and what the game is trying to communicate to you and that's never been true right i mean uh, it's it's the case that um certain bosses and like the the, the ai kind of seems to be really tripped up by having something else that mm-hmm. draws aggro to it but that's to your advantage you know that is you yeah. know to me that feels like uh you know if i had to focus on two different things my attention would be split and less effective too so why wouldn't that be the case for the boss <laughs> and, and it's a different joy you yeah. can have if you and and a buddy want to just like bro out and take out a boss um a lot of the bosses are still hard mm-hmm. with with co-op or spirit ash we'll talk about specifically what spirit ash here is in a moment uh, it basically is a substitute for that yeah uh, but instead of critters uh or just like people um you're summoning an ai of a monster or a character Yes. To come join you. There's a wide variety of these. They cost mana. Again, there's more use for that FP. And it ensures that you always have the option to have somebody with you. Yeah. If you Um, want. And these vary wildly uh, in things that they do. Some of them... um, So cool. (laughs) Some of them stack certain status effects. Uh, Some of them are ranged. Uh, Some of them are stationary and ranged. There are healers. There's turrets. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. um uh, play, yeah, playing with these is so fucking fun like figuring out what they do <laughs> there you could do a summoner build mm-hmm. of this because they can be improved as well and like very good ones can only solo like the really the weakest bosses yeah but you could do a build where you do a bunch of support miracles and buff miracles mm-hmm. and play uh, a souls like game as a summoner yeah which is such a cool idea. Like I have a, an array of Pokemons. <laughs> I choose the correct one to pull out Yeah, for this. Uh, and it doesn't, again, I can't stress enough. Nothing was taken away right. by adding these. Like if you choose not to use these, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a okay. But it just, it being an option for people who want to enjoy the game is all positive. Yeah. Uh, there's no downside to somebody not, you know, muscling through some hateful boss. Yeah. Um, um the, another thing that is different about these so you could always summon people for co-op um uh throughout a level you know like that was mm-hmm. just a thing, thing that could happen most of the times people would drop their summon signs right outside of a um right outside of a boss gate you know so mm-hmm. boss so co-op kind of ended up being a thing that was done mostly for bosses the fact that spirit ashes can be used out on the field or in certain areas mm-hmm. of dungeons uh it feels a little bit arbitrary where they can and cannot be used i've not really discerned a pattern of that there are some dungeons where they can somewhere they can't but um the fact that these are here and at your disposal uh to be used in more situations than just bosses um means that you have uh you know something in your back pocket uh, even if you're you're just singing, uh, play, playing single player, something in your back back pocket to get through these bottlenecks that may be giving you some trouble out in the world, yeah. which allow you to see more game. Yep. You know, uh, again, it communicates the attitude of the game has towards the player. The idea is not, uh, you know, you get squeezed through the the Play-Doh Fun Factory into the shape we want you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, be yourself, and if you want to get through this to see more game, do it. Yeah. You know, let's let's. You know, it's 2022. We have bigger things to worry about than whether somebody did <laughs> yeah. an honor duel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It very good. I think that the, the, uh, so there's actually a, the game doesn't communicate this. There is a geography marker when they can be summoned. 
there's a little statue similar oh. to a Steak of Marika. Huh. What? Uh, when the an, an icon shows up on your screen. Yes. When you can do it. You've probably seen the icon. But there's yeah. also a little stake uh, in the ground. Uh, a bunch of people make butt plug jokes about oh. it because it kind of looks like a dong. Okay. Um, and they're, every boss and then uh, every ruin, you can do them. Yeah. And then some just what the game considers tough encounters. Yeah. There's a little bit of uh, discretion to how it's done. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, these are very, very good. And there are tons of them. It's going to be so fun to talk about. There are lore <laughs> notes with them as well. Uh, there's an NPC that's related to them. They're great. Yeah. Um, um, let's talk about boss rewards, uh, because sometimes you get these as a, you know, as a reward for beating a boss of a particular dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. and the same is true for like, uh, unique weapons, you know, you'll go through a, go through a dungeon and you'll get the same reward at the end, you know, like these are prescriptive, like it's not really randomized. Uh, but like the big bosses, kind of the tenpole ones, um, shard bearers is what they're called. Uh, the, uh, uh, entities in the world, which possess a piece of the Elden ring, uh, when you kill them, uh, they will drop a great rune. Um, and also they will drop a remembrance. Uh, the great rune is the one that, that ends up being kind of more important. Uh, this is a buff that must be equipped, but also must be activated before you can do anything with it. Yes. Uh, so you have this thing, uh, equipped kind of like a, a big ring, and then you have a, a consumable you can turn on that lasts until you die that activates the effect of the big ring. Yeah. Uh, there, um, the remembrances are boss souls. It's mm-hmm. how you get special items and spells and stuff from uh from bosses and there are ones that are for non shard bearers but it feels somewhat arbitrary yeah it's just the big bosses get a remembrance mm-hmm. and what's uh, nice is this. uh you can duplicate those you don't necessarily have to go through a new game plus to get both of the items or both of the spells that you could yes. get off of this you know it's limited there are only a certain number of mm-hmm. places where you can do this the way um, you do it is fucking hilarious. I love it so Once much. Once I found out what those were for, <laughs> after all of that presentation, I lost my mind. <laughs> it's a Kinko's. <laughs> like, it, it, it's the world's most, like, you know, ceremonial Kinko's <laughs> that's ever been. It's so good. I, I have no idea why it's those. Yeah. The thing you interact with to do it, I don't know why it's that. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh but it's a nice concession and it makes those meaningful <laughs> so. yeah yeah no they're they're great they're great they're fun to to get into they're fun to to use i like being able to double my souls even if i'm not going to use any of those weapons because they won't work for my build mm-hmm. just getting another big chunk of souls is good and fun yeah yeah uh, and you get the lore obviously this was a big thing that was missing uh from Sekiro in terms of like learning about yeah. like you would get the um the remembrance sometimes that gave you the additional attack power mm-hmm. for it, but you didn't get it for everything. Yeah. In this, uh, here you get them for most things. I guess you mm-hmm. don't get them for everything in this either, but you do get them for most things. Yeah. Uh, that's uh let's talk about crafting. Uh, cause crafting is big in yes. this as a, and it's one of the things I think is, uh, one of the bigger mixed successes. Yeah. Um, of the game i think that parts of it are very cool and parts of it are like it's not as bad as it could be but parts of it are not as good as it could be either 
Yeah. So throughout the world, uh, you're going to find um, uh, recipe books, basically, uh, that will give you the ability to uh, craft particular items, kind of adding it into your repertoire. Uh, after you uh, buy the crafting kit from the first merchant that you're going to run, run across, uh, you can do this from anywhere. Uh, you can do it just from your pause menu. Uh, and this is where you are going to get the majority of your consumables um, uh, you, by taking the ingredients that you find out in the world. And ingredients are found in places where it makes sense, right? You know, flowers will be growing in places where flowers would be found and ore is found underground, things like that. Um, but, uh, you whip these up in order to, uh, in order to get consumables to use. And, um, you know, this is just one of those lessons, uh, from Dark Souls. You mm -hmm. want to use your, your consumables. They're there for you to use and they can, um, oftentimes tilt things in your favor. Yeah. And the, the way they communicate that you should use them is by giving you, uh, tons of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the good part of this, I think, is the fact that you find containers that limit them. Um, so no longer are you uh, just buying 99 fire pots, nor crafting 99 fire pots. You have a certain number of pots that will magically reform, but you have to add stuff to them. So yeah. you get to choose how many fire pots, how many ice pots you have, etc. Um, I think this is good and clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and allows for a lot of customization. There are also ones for uh, ritual pots, which are uh, things that are buffs, and then perfumes, which mm -hmm. are a different kind of attack, Yeah, uh, basically. Um, I like that a little and bit. They're really meaningful like, rewards, too. Yeah, those are, those are certainly meaningful rewards. The thing that I don't like about it is finding uh, a crafting material in a chest mm -hmm. or at the end of like a very intense combat <laughs> slog because they're never that exciting right? Uh, to me. Um, at least, they, uh, that is a bummer. They should really make the mushrooms look less like a regular pickup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do look like a regular pickup. Well, they, and they, it's so, again, when I say it's not as bad as it could be, it's a huge deal that it's, uh, it's so easy to pick things up. Mm -hmm. So contrast this, we did a horizon, uh, zero dawn for watch out for fireballs where the lion's share of my playthrough was crouching down to pick up things I didn't want. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like same thing with Dragon Quest Inquisition, like yeah, yeah, games crafting. I feel like in some ways from crack the code and that code is don't give it an animation. Nope. Like you just do it from your horse and it just becomes like, sure, I'll press Y. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. not made of stone. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like, going to be a little prompt. I'll click Y while I'm driving a horse. It makes a number go up yeah. somewhere. I'm good, but it doesn't break your stride, which is a real big yes. deal. It, it is so irritating to stop and do a little animation to pick something up. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, you just want to tap the button. It's like a Witcher did that too. Yep. Like Witcher was really good. Just did, 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 like just <laughs> hoover up shit. Yeah. If you're going to add me collecting garbage, make it fast, mm -hmm. you know, in your, in your game. I don't need to be immersed. Like I don't need to see that every time. It's not going to bring, no. you know, I, I can, I can infer my mind will gloss over that. And, you know, just I can I can fill it in if I want to. And guess what? I don't care. So I won't. Yes. Uh, crafting does not have a guessing component, which I like. Uh, you mm. just buy recipes and that just opens the thing up Yeah. for you. Um, I generally don't like when I have to try to guess. I understand that's a core mechanic of some games and people like it. This is just my own taste. Yeah. Uh, I don't like I have to try to figure out what will make, you know, a, 
a drawstring fire grease out of yeah. the things I have. I just want to buy a license to make it when I have the stuff. Yeah, I like that. Um, in games that are about that, I don't know that I would like it in addition to, you know, in addition to everything else here. Yeah. Uh, it makes uh, those recipe books a meaningful treasure mm-hmm. uh, as well and a reason to seek out new merchants because they'll have new ones for sale. Yeah. You know, you always want to get that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hoover those things up so you can uh, uh, just expand your possibility. Uh, you know, and yeah. like when you see those books, you can also check and see what they're going to let you uh, craft, which is nice. Yeah. If And if you're not doing like, a, you know, a Frenzied Flame thing, you don't need to buy the Frenzied Flame prayer book mm-hmm. or seek it out, you know. Uh, again, kind of a mixed bag. I didn't end up using tons of it. I, I could craft way more things than I ever actually did, mm-hmm. you know, in this, but it, it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't bug me. Uh, after an entire playthrough. This is not me saying it doesn't bug me in the beginning and then it's starting to bug me throughout the end of the game. <laughs> like I've gone through the game. It does not bug me. Yeah. Finally, let's talk about the uh, the Flask of Wondrous Physic. Yeah, I was I was unsure about this at first, but then I started finding more of the um, stuff to customize it and now it is mm-hmm. uh, invaluable. So uh, this is kind of a, it's a secondary uh, customizable Estus Flask. Um, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have a bunch of charges, but, um, just has one, just has the one. Um, and as you go, uh, as you go around the world and fight these recurring mini bosses out in the world, you find these things called crystal tears, each of which will have a different effect. You take, um, two of them, you know, and put them in, you combine them. And then it has these, uh, different effects that you can stack on. So like really powerful stuff, like, Damage mitigation, physical damage mitigation for a while uh, is is pretty... Uh, All your spells are free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they put a um, you don't lose souls on death mm-hmm. effect in one of these. So you can have a reusable, similar to the uh, the ring of uh, sacrifice that you could repair Yeah, in, uh, in Dark Souls 2. Um, this is really good. Uh, it's a meaningful reward. It was fun to fuck around with and choose different ones. It's a huge lifesaver. Uh, putting both the damage mitigation ones on a uh, on a flask mm-hmm. and then using it uh with a boss i knew had a really really powerful opening attack that was hard to dodge yeah um was great yeah like i think this is really clever and cool i was kind of surprised it's not part of the upgrade train like you don't get a way to add more effects or get more charges yeah that's why but i it's fine without it yeah like it's it's still very powerful you know what it feels like it feels kind of like preparing for a battle in the witcher <laughs> yeah to a degree yeah, make a potion yeah, yeah. There, there are definitely witcher parallels to this witcher three parallels yeah uh things you might be preparing for are when you go out in the open world and there are some recurring elements or kind of vocab things we want to set up yeah uh for for the game just things that uh you're going to run into yeah so it's going to be good to establish vocabulary for this so one of those things might be ruins uh, these mm-hmm. are ruined structures, kind of the footprint of what used to be like a small town or a small facility out in the world. Oftentimes these are uh, populated by guards or a handful of monsters in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. There are going to be items every lying around. Every once in a while a boss. Yeah. Very rarely, but every once in a while a boss is here. <laughs> just, just kind of stomping around saying what happened yep. to my town. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just uh, uh, their their city was gone. It's weird that you have to fight Chrissy Hind of the, of the Dark Flame. <laughs> in this um oh. my city is gone <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh so these uh they always have an underground area with a treasure chest mm-hmm. in them just about every single time um you can always summon for them 
Yeah. Uh, but these are too numerous to talk about, and there's not tons of level design. Every once in a while, there's a puzzle or something special about them. But when we get into the ep- the season, pro- I mean, this is the season proper. Mm-hmm. When we start talking about areas and we're like, you come upon the blank, blank ruins, that's what we mean. Yeah. Uh, more often we will talk about like, if there is like a special enemy there, uh, if there's like a mix up that makes that one pretty difficult. Uh, but most mm-hmm. often like the reward that you find there might be a really important one that changes things for you. You know, like this yes. is a really overpowered, uh, weapon that worked into this kind of build for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, tombs are really important. This was something that, uh, Will spoiled this for me in a way that he wasn't trying to like poison a chalice for me. But he's <laughs> like, man, they brought chalice dungeons in. Oh, and no. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and and thought that was gonna suck. Uh, but I actually really like these. Um these are areas uh out and about in the world, little dungeons. They're like chalice dungeons in that they have a unified aesthetic mm-hmm. uh in them. They are unlike chalice dungeons in that they are not made of snap together, you know, uh doom 2016 level creations where you're just taking types of rooms and putting them together um they oftentimes have a puzzle or a concept mm-hmm. to them um not always there's some that are just you know a pretty straight putt it's just a little bit of dungeon uh even then they're much shorter yeah than chalice dungeons and you don't have to pay a lottery ticket to get in nor is your prize a lottery ticket yep um here but you uh, uh go through and oftentimes you're just getting like a tiny dungeon lid mm-hmm. like here is a puzzle and some monsters it is it, it, it is a real snack um yes. something that i love about this is that uh you know oftentimes there will be a um uh steak of america outside of the uh boss boss gate but the way that these Almost are always yeah uh oh. but the, the way that these are put together is like you go deep into the dungeon and you do whatever is there and you will pull a lever like there is something that you are looking for that will open up the boss door that is near the entrance Mm -hmm. Uh, so even if it is too hard and you need to go away and come back uh, you know, basically extending past when a when a um, stake of America would be uh, would be useful. Uh, you can just run, put the marker there. Remember, hey, it's here, and then just run right to that without doing the rest of the dungeon itself. It feels very conscientiously yeah. designed. Yes, yeah, uh, these are really cool. We'll probably talk about these more in detail. Mm-hmm. You know, than than the ruins, of course, because uh, sometimes they do have a concept yeah. to them. Uh, caves are oftentimes just basically dungeons. Uh, that you have in here. These are kind of miscellaneous. Sometimes they're just a couple rooms and a boss, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but sometimes they're more deep than that uh, here. And they're the less out of these things we're talking about. They're the least uh, homogenous. Yeah. Um, they, they vary pretty wildly. Yeah. Um, here. Uh, mines, however, are like caves with a perp, like caves with a job. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> just like I call, la- uh, la- oh gosh, rivers, lakes with a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like motivated lakes, the motivated caves, aka the mines, uh, are pretty similar in terms of layout a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is the treasure economy. Like they work like tombs; they have uh, some navigation puzzles and then a boss. But this is where you go to get upgrade material. Yeah, uh, in a general sense, you're going to find uh, weirdos, you know, weird codgers mining, and <laughs> uh, you're going to kill them and get uh, get their upgrade stuff. Yeah. So there's almost always going to be one of these in a new area that you go to. You're going to want to seek it out and um, almost make a beeline for it because getting uh, uh, your weapons upgraded, uh, you know, taking advantage of those resources here is going to be a pretty big part of getting prepared for this new region that you may have entered. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are also uh, some elements out on the field. Um, so there are field bosses that are roaming that tend to recur. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, for example, there's like the Knight's Cavalry, which is a horse, like a bo- horse rider boss, only appears at night, and there are several of them. Yeah throughout the map um those bosses were also probably not going to spend a lot of time on their individual ones yeah. sometimes they get new moves or wrinkles that make them much more interesting mm-hmm. but i don't have a whole lot to say about uh you know the erd tree guardian guy yeah. <laughs> you know that that guy after the first couple times we we talk about him yeah and even then it's pretty much just the stray demon so thumbs up yeah <laughs> yeah, like it's it's you know we we've, we've fought him before. He's a boss. He's worth considering, but mm-hmm. we see him a lot. Yeah, uh, these range in quality too. There are ones of these I'm always happy to fight. Like if you give me a mariner, like I'm way into it. Yeah, you give me a crucible knight, you can go to hell. <laughs> um, you know, but there there's uh, these these kind of recurring bosses uh, that we want to be able to shorthand say like here's a death bird, you yeah. know, and have that be it really. Yeah. Um, uh, other stuff that's going to be just kind of out are these almost mini dungeons that are not, uh, underground. Uh, we have keeps towers and forts, uh, which Mm -hmm. tend to dominate the skyline and you would be forgiven for thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be like a whole level. Uh, no buddy, you haven't, (laughs) you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, these are levels. They're big. Uh, they're involved and you do have to approach them methodically. Uh, but these are not the legacy dungeons. They're kind of something in between. Yeah, they, they vary a lot. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a single tower, so it's just a few rooms, or a fort, or a keep in just a few rooms. But sometimes there's like a full castle that's not quite a legacy dungeon. Yeah. And how we're going to handle those is something that we need to figure out uh, through experience. I think we need to do you know, one or two of them and figure out like what they feel like to talk, what they feel, what it feels like talking about them. Yes. Like Castle Morn, mm-hmm. right? So an early example uh, is not a legacy dungeon. But it would be a level in a different Dark Souls game, yeah. like the run up and the thing. So is that an episode? Is that part of the Morn <laughs> Peninsula, <laughs> Weeping Peninsula episode? We have to figure that out. We do. But just know that there are different scales uh, to those things, uh, those biggest ones. But when we just say a, a tower or a fort, uh, that tends to be a much smaller, you know, just a single building mm-hmm. uh, that we're dealing with. Um, there are caravans on the world map. Uh, I love these so much uh, but they're not that different it's it's a gigantic coffin being pulled by two giants uh, and there's a treasure on the back which allows you to do like a heist yeah uh, <laughs> it's like doing a stagecoach yeah. no, you're you're, uh, you're robbing a stagecoach coach is what you're doing you do a train job yeah. you have to stop the giant somehow <laughs> and then you can take the treasure like the thing can't be moving mm-hmm. but you can take the treasure you don't have to kill everybody so nope. you can either dismantle it and they're going places and they're going along routes that have reinforcements uh-huh <laughs> it's so good it's like, like you have I... the time pressure to like to stop the giant before you get to more reinforcements mm-hmm. otherwise you're uh you're screwed and you have to go away and uh pass time until it uh gets back on its route yeah yep and there's like those bugle boys the entire thing yeah. you can snipe those from you know from around the way god if it, uh, i mean it, prioritize those Ugh. there's a lot mm. about this that, feel, that feels very much like metal gear solid 5 <laughs> like, it, it's which is a great open world game uh-huh. where also the open world was not the the biggest star of it right yeah. you know but it, getting that assaulting a base or planning an assault energy from any angle in dark souls is really magical yeah i think uh that's good <laughs> uh some of this stuff too we have this kind of mentioned later but we forgot it in the new stuff or bringing back stuff there's an item called a stone sword key 
Yes. Which things will be locked by this. The closest uh, analog to this in Souls is Fragrant Branches of Yore. Or the, the, the Pharaoh's Lockstones, kind of. Or Pharaoh's Lockstones as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Um, they uh, allow you to open something up uh, yeah. there. And sometimes this will be a dungeon we've already seen. Sometimes it's just a treasure room mm-hmm. that we'll have. Uh, but they, they show up in all of these things we're talking about. Yeah. Just these uh, these little fog walls. There will be a, a statue of a fucked up little guy uh, right nearby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel weird that we did not uh, talk about just generally how, like, the wealth of fucked up little dudes. Oh, my God. I, I mean, we this could is, do that. Like, I mean, we're we, going to talk about aesthetics at yeah. some point, but God, is this a, a absolute treasure trove of fucked up little men. <laughs> oh, my God. Goofiness is back, baby. It's back in a huge way. <laughs> There's so many goofy, weird little monsters who I love with my whole heart. Like, <laughs> the number one stone thing i put down was lovable sort ahead <laughs> like because it's, it's true like everything is just like oh yeah oh <laughs> whole thing. I, I cannot wait wait to talk about all these little weirdos oh um, god i mean just uh, i mean like how big was your smile when you walked into one of the first mini bosses and it was like is that like a like a like a like a big tall dog statue that attacks me like a drinky bird and he has big googly eyes <laughs> Yeah, that's the first boss I fought. Uh, that wasn't a <laughs> tutorial boss, and I was so happy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, goofiness is huge. Back, uh, that's that's a recurring element. Yes, but also I just wanted to make sure we mentioned how many fucked up little dudes there were. <laughs> like a bunch of kooky creeps <laughs> showing up, little freaks and perverts that you get to fight. I love it. Yeah, just green ghouls, little green ghouls. Yeah, there's all kinds of little green ghouls, you know, little guys, little green ghouls running around. Uh, and that continues through the game. I kept expecting there to be like an isolith, like, oh, this area isn't finished. Uh-huh. Uh, now you're introduced to new weird little green ghouls for almost the whole game. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. It, it does a lot to drive my affection. Like even when they're trying to be metal, uh, it ends up, uh, it, they end up just kind of inadvertently falling into um and like we are not being derisive here like we're laughing at it and we're calling them fucked up little dudes i, I mean saying something it's, it's is a, pure a plus oh yeah yeah like, like it, <laughs> it, it's 100 percent like great like dark souls 2 and 3 and sekiro all had a problem with fighting too many men yeah you know and i like that i like that in those games like it's fine but i missed basilisks and chaos eaters mm-hmm. and shit like that uh, you get little touches of that in those games but pretty rare yeah you know uh it's everywhere in here oh yeah they're they're, it's like it it is a whole buffet of main courses of again the just just gobbers like you said um i love it (laughs) fucked up little ding-dongs like you fight you fight plenty of just regular guys Uh uh-huh yeah you know in armor and that's fine and they're fun to fight Uh uh-huh and stuff but for the most part lots of weirdo (laughs) little shits (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm very happy with the weird little shits you get to fight. <laughs> um, uh, I'm also yeah. happy with the teleporters in this, both intentional and unintentional. Me too. I I didn't think I would like it because at f- my first instinct was like this is a, a papering over a design thing. Yeah. Like, and it might that actually might be true, mm-hmm. right? Like, we couldn't figure out a good way to get you here naturally within the bounding box of what we do. Yeah. So we're going to teleport you here. Yeah. But it feels a little bit like they made lemonade by making them take you uh, to weird, far off places sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
um, and secret places. So sometimes it'll just be like, here's a collapsed bridge, here's a way across it. Yeah. That's not that exciting. But sometimes you end up in just an entirely different weather system <laughs> and zone. You'll get a little title card you've never seen before, and uh -huh. it feels great. And then you check your map and realize, oh, what I thought was the game world was only one-eighth of it. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> I'm way off the map. I wish I could hear what she's playing. The, uh, and then the, they weaponize this at you as well. Mm-hmm. With the with the uh, the replacement for mimic treasure chests, in this, <laughs> yep, uh, which are teleport traps. The first time this happened, the God, <laughs> yeah, I, I laughed. Again, teleport traps. You put this in, say, like Fantasy Star Two, and they're vile, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it, or Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, you know, you you can make these the worst thing in the world. Here, uh you go to a new place and you're stuck there until you can find a site of grace. Yeah. So if you're carrying tons of souls, like that is a bummer. Mm -hmm. But another way to look at it is like shit stealth mission. <laughs> like the time this happened, I crept around a really tense. The first time it happened, I had been a mine full of overlevel guys and mm -hmm. had an incredibly tense and fun creep past the overseers of this mine to get to a site of grace. So I can teleport out. Yeah. It was a really unique gameplay thing and again a different kind of adventure mm -hmm. the way that stealth allows for other things other than just like what if a fight yeah um you know that leads into something that i should have talked about in the open world but um the fact that this is open and, and you can get most places from the beginning um and sometimes mm -hmm. are forced um to you know teleport really far away to hostile lands uh you got a little bit of this in dark souls one um and occasionally like if you were making uh you know just a, a you know a run where you knew you were going to die to get a to get a particular resource but um something that i love from the old days of playing everquest like i'm talking like back in like 20 years ago 2001 2002 mm -hmm. um was okay, I, you know, I need to get from this city to this city and I'm going to have to go through like, yeah, the, you know, low level zones that are near the cities, but like, I'm, ah, shit, man, I'm going to have to pass through like, um, Kithiker forest uh, between these two things. And at night, you know, like during the day, it's like level 15 regular, you know, goblin dudes, but at night really, really powerful undead come out. So like, I need to wait for, for day to come and hope that i can mm -hmm. get through right so that sense of danger and that like anxiety of being lost um and yes. being sent over here or like when i've just been you know running for a particular landmark um in a place where i am definitely out of my depth but still wanting to like range a field this is the closest that a game has gotten to like fully recapturing that vibe for me and that is a vibe that i fucking treasure um, it's, it's a it's an incredibly magic vibe yeah. like it, it ties into something i i've mentioned this uh i said this on twitter one way i think about elden ring is it's a good version of dragon's dogma yeah yeah uh, you know, dragon's dogma is the worst game i like uh <laughs> the, the game has tons of problems but the thing that they have in common that i think that was the best thing about dragon's dogma and something that elden ring does really well is that feeling of going on a dangerous excursion yeah into the dark into somewhere dangerous and unknown Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to have that recreated without having to deal with the weird, weird, bizarre dragon's dogma, bad damage scaling and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Or deal with an MMO, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have to play EverQuest. Right. You know, any day that you don't play EverQuest is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be 2002 again. Do you remember 2002? It fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows if I would choose that over this, but oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it captures that feeling really, really well. Yeah. Which I love. And again, it's also modal. It's a thing where you can start the game 
uh, indulging the, in that. And then once you have more confidence and power, you can cruise past stuff. You have an idea of what's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an experience you can only have for a certain time, yeah. but it lasts longer than you might think. Like, you know, my playthrough that was like a hundred hours, uh, the first 40 of them, <laughs> that was a huge part of it. And that's as long as several real games, Yeah, you know, full games. Um, finally, we have uh, the aesthetics uh, here, mm-hmm. where this is just kind of a catch-all for the visual, um, audio, and story elements. We haven't talked about a lot of lore at this point, primarily because that is stuff that necessarily needs to unfold for you. Um, mm-hmm. But it makes sense to talk about it here. And I will lead with, you know, not only do they have gigantic spaces uh, that are fun to explore and also dense spaces uh, that are fun to explore, but um, this is a fucking beautiful game. Uh, they have mm-hmm. captured, um, you know, they have captured the ability to give you just breathtaking vistas. It feels like they took all the feedback about um, uh, what was the ice city in um, uh, Dark Souls Frozen. 3? Yeah, frozen. Oh, Ali- oh uh, not frozen. Liam Lois. Iriathil. Yeah, they they took they they, they took all of the uh, <laughs> all of the feedback. Like, oh my gosh, my favorite thing about this is just the wonderful view. Uh, and they just said, oh, you like wonderful views, do you? Well, we can yeah. give you just twenty different kinds of those. <laughs> it's uh, every it, it gives you that Irithil moment, like every ten minutes yeah. when it's, you're playing it, and it it can feel early on. It can feel a little samey. Mm-hmm. when you're when you're uh you know in limgrave because it, it is kind of well see me it's beautiful mm-hmm. you know i described in the last episode as like heaven that is experienced an apocalypse is what it looks like to me yeah um but there are a lot more biomes than initially seems yes uh many of which are just like breathtaking <laughs> um in both directions uh, like, like bre- bre- breathtakingly horrifying and breathtaking just in terms of like i th- th- this does not look like any place in the real world could be yeah, beautiful. Yeah. You know, uh, very, very great looking. Um, we talked about the designs a little bit with our fucked up little dudes. I think that's wonderful in this. Um, I really like the soundtrack mm-hmm. to this game. Um, a big difference is there is now ambient music. Yeah. The, you know, which was in, something that was very selectively deployed. Yeah. Holdover uh, from uh, Sekiro, right? They, they, yes. They've kind of taken Sekiro's approach. Yeah, which it, it really is good to hear. Yeah. Uh, and the music is not as anonymous as some later Dark Souls stuff did. Mm-hmm. you know became like there are more drums yeah and things there are kind of subtle differences i want to dig more into the soundtrack probably for a special episode at some point yeah same uh and give close listens but in terms of an experience it's all very good yeah um, um like uh so like uh, uh writing and you know per- performances and characters stuff like that something i want to lead with is i'm really happy that they didn't get rid of the uh npcs who speak elliptically and also have their fucked up little laughs mm-hmm. um the fact that <laughs> the switch to open world didn't get rid of that and didn't force them to kind of compromise and make npcs be a little bit more directed d- direct in the way they deliver information um, uh, but instead they just kind of brought that forward and made it coexist, I think is really valuable here. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the NPCs in this game. Uh, something that, that is also in the demerits mm-hmm. uh, section to me though, is I do think that the way that, uh, and they're, they're taking steps, right? They added the NPC markers to maps. Yeah. The way, uh, Dark Souls quest NPC quest lines go does not totally agree with an open world. No. Um, you know, there's less reason to revisit a place and unless a character was pretty explicit about where they're going, mm-hmm. it's hard to know where a character will show up for the next thing. Yeah. 
So the request lines I completed on accident <laughs> because I was just exploring and the, the person just happened to be there and I had no idea they'd be there. Yeah. You know, and the quest lines I completely accidentally dropped because I couldn't find them and I didn't want to check. Like they could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just look at a wiki. My second playthrough, I'm going to try to do all the, the NPC stuff that's available. But for my first playthrough, that was actually a little bit of a problem. Yeah. The individual writing on the, the NPCs and the the uh, kind of concepts behind them, I think, are really strong. Um, stronger than, than the last couple of games to me. Yeah. Um, um, so famously, George R. R. Martin consulted on this. Uh, as yep. uh, The thing that I saw was that they had him write basically a short story, like a novella kind of, uh, that they mm-hmm. then mined for kind of concepts um, and, you know, brought their own kind of from soft design aesthetic to how to make these into, you know, gameplay uh, kind of deals. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that they benefited from that, uh, uh, from that extra perspective. And I think that there's like, um, fascinating that there are overlapping fascinations. You know, we see things like, um, uh, the the relationship between Vendrick and, um, Nishandra, right. Or we see things like the, um, family of gods in Dark Souls one, right. Uh, all of Gwyn's offspring and that where Miyazaki, and the people responsible for story, like, have an interest in, you know, messed up families. And they found mm-hmm. a kindred spirit in uh, in George R. R. Martin in that regard. Um, and, yeah, the kind of pantheon of demigods and, you know, the forces that inadvertently destroyed this world through their selfishness. And, you know, the way that their relationship, and you know, informs the way that they're kind of interconnected. I think that all of that uh, comes through. Um, and is a nice relatable foothold in addition to all of just the just very alienness and kind of uniqueness of the cosmology that is happening here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what's, what's cool about this. So George R. R. Martin, uh, there's a backlash, right? Uh, because Game of Thrones is very popular and ended badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he never finished those books. So it's kind of popular to hate on, and he's a white dude course so you know it's it is popular kind of to hate on on him and as somebody's read those books and, and liked that show uh he's got his problems mm-hmm. you know but people tend to exaggerate because it's the internet and are just like oh he's totally shit the thing he's actually excellent at is world building yeah um and you know i, w- I want to get my hands on that novella i hope they release it I hope they right? do too. Yeah. that'd be a great episode and i'd be really curious i'd love to read fiction set in this world because mm-hmm. that's just what a novel thing right yeah um but the thing that i kept seeing was his love of complicated uh factionalism mm-hmm. like a big thing in in game of thrones in the george R. R. martin i've read is that like no individual group is a monolith. There's a complexity where it's not just like a team, mm-hmm. you know, a certain house will not just have, these are the good guys. They're honorable, but brave, <laughs> you know, there'll be different, different factions of the family and yeah. different, uh, in groups and infighting and splintering and stuff. And that's something that uh, has shown up in souls and stuff, but it really happens here. Yeah. Uh, there are so many proper noun factions, <laughs> that we run into in this that really feels like George R. R. Martin stink to me, uh, stink in a good way. Yeah. Um, we'll never know. Like I'm not trying to take credit away from, from soft or anything like that. I just feel like this, you know, looking at factors that make this so remarkable, that is an obvious addition. Mm-hmm. You know, that is an obvious X factor that was added in that could be responsible for some of the stuff that we're, we're crowing about. Yeah. 
Um, and it's good. Like, I kind of don't care who was responsible for what, you know, and I'm not, I'm going to make efforts not to just like we try to say like, oh, everything good about these games isn't just because Miyazaki was involved. This is actually, you know, this more than any other is a, is a team effort. <laughs> Everybody's responsible yeah, it for it. feels like a blending. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try and be mindful about like, not specifically saying like, oh, they knocked that out of the park this time because I didn't know. And also because it can never be true that one person was responsible for, you know, yeah. solely responsible for the, th- for the thing that I like. Auteur is kind of bullshit a little bit. Yeah. Like I get it, but also these are all huge team, you know, team, team things. Yep. So, team efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually going to make that the end of this episode. We're going to do the intro and the tutorial, but as you know, this is a very long episode mm-hmm. of this show. There's also things I'm sure we forgot. Right. That are still going to come up. It's not even in- in- inclusive, but we needed to get a mechanical groundwork and talk about how this works mechanically in relation to the other games to make the other stuff make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the next episode is going to cover the story overview and the tutorial, and then some degree of West Limgrave. Yeah. Uh, really kind of depending on time. The goal is to have episodes be about 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season we failed this time, but, uh, in, in the future, that's what we're hoping for. That's the, uh, that's the ballpark that we're aiming for. So enjoy your bonus, uh, 15 minutes or sorry. No, I got 45 minutes. There we go. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, of course th- this one is, uh, it's going out for everybody. Uh, this is, this mm-hmm. is free. Uh, next episode is that's when, uh, things are going to go, uh, to the Patreon. So, uh, that'll be mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash duck TV, uh, where you can get, get access to those. Uh, it is $5 a month for not just bonfires at chat, but a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh, it's not just, uh, for Elden Ring as well. We have, um, many, many episodes of, uh, Bonfire's Eye Chat that we've done about Sekiro, about other From games, about things that are related to Souls, uh, that are all there waiting for you, uh, if you decide to hop on. Uh, so just hundreds and uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah. Uh, and we really would appreciate it if you did. Yeah. You know, we understand if you can't, but we, uh, we think it's worth it. Um, what else? Uh, we have other I mean, shows. That's really it. Or yeah, we have other shows. Uh, if you are hearing this because you're a Bonfire Side Chat fan, check out other stuff. Yeah, uh, watch out for Fireballs. We most up your alley. That is a weekly game club uh, where we uh, talk about a game in its entirety. Uh, that's at watchoutforfireballs.com, or yeah, we'll find links about it anywhere duckfeed.tv stuff is is posted up. Um, that's been going for more than a decade uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, three hundred plus episodes. Uh, good place to start. We've we've even done from and souls related stuff. We've done armored core for answer in the past. Uh, we've covered mm-hmm. lots of Castlevania stuff, uh, which is kind of in the souls lineage. lineage. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those would be good places Shadow to the start. Colossus. Show the Colossus. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Check it out. And then if you like us, if you think we're funny, uh, Abject Suffering is a fun comedy show. Uh, Everything to Guppy has fun comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's comedy as well. Yeah, uh, lots of stuff. Um, we really appreciate it if you checked it out. Please. No pressure. Not everything is for everyone, but maybe you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. if you like the show, uh, there are still the uh, the public episodes up, and those are in places where ratings and reviews can help us out. Uh, so leave a mm-hmm. rating or review so people can uh, can find this. Um, and uh, yeah. you know, if they're searching for uh, Dark Souls stuff, Elden Ring stuff, yeah, it's it's, it's real hard because Elden Ring is going to be the thing that you're going to need need to say as like the banner for this now. And it's yes. going to be hard for me not to look at this in a Dark Souls perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in, you know, it, sensibly, yeah. you know, if you, uh, if you do like us as well, this is a good time to leave us a good review. Um, mm-hmm. people get mad 
that uh, we put the show behind the Patreon. Um, this is our job, and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work, and we do a whole network. So it is not uh, it is not trivial mm-hmm. uh, to do bonfireside chat. So I have no embarrassment of being asked to be paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who take umbrage at that, uh, who will review bomb us. That yes. happens every time we do a new thing. Uh, if you're not one of those people, thank you, and uh, consider uh, counteracting that review bomb by leaving a nice review. Please do. I think that's about it. Think so. Uh, yeah. What uh, What should they do until next time? Uh, until next time. Uh, try to find your inner fucked up little guy. Yeah, you don't have the right. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. <laughs> <laughs>